Cinema Video, the podcast from Calgary, Alberta, about movies. I'm Nathan Rohr, and I used to eat a meatball sub for lunch nearly every full shift I had at Rogers Video until I got sick of them forever. Probably for the best long term. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Uh, that was the Rogers Video on 14th? Yeah, it was pretty close to a subway, so it was pretty easy. Wait, but you had the McDonald's? You had the Subway? The Subway sub? Meatball Sub. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's tomato sauce, meatballs, and cheese. Like, it's pretty simple. It's hard to get wrong, but it did I just, eventually. I've had, I've had meatball subs at, like, real, like, Italian sub places. Like, they're really good. Uh-huh. But, like, Subway just doesn't bring that to me. Like, that's... Yeah, you just gotta get some, like, like, lukewarm meatballs in there. <laughs> See, for Subway, for me, is like, I just want all the fixings, like... Get as much stuff in there as you can. Whereas a meatball sub is like, do I want? You know, I think I started throwing tomatoes in it because it was like tomatoes and tomato sauce. There, that should help. But like, give me lettuce, give me pickles, give me cucumbers, give me tomatoes. Like, I want all the stuff in there. Whereas, like, like I I don't get my sandwich warmed because of that reason. Because I don't want warm, soggy lettuce. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways. Uh, but uh, I guess I could give a good meatball sub a try sometime. Really, though, how are you handling work lunches in your adulthood? Oh, I, I take a turkey. I make a turkey sandwich for for lunch every day. Every day turkey? Uh, yeah, we... I, my wife likes to make turkey and turkeys, and then we just cut up the turkey, and I have real turkey sandwiches all the time. All the time? Like, I love turkey. All right. I don't think I love turkey enough to do that, but okay. <laughs> no, I, I could have a turkey sandwich every day. Like, I haven't had much this summer because I'm off for the summer because I work at a school. And I haven't but had you're, a You're like sandwich. baking turkeys for three hours during this heat wave? No, no, no. <laughs> she Well, it, one turkey lasts you like eight weeks, but I haven't had any turkey this summer. Are you freezing the meat? Yeah, we freeze them in little baggies. Like you okay, push okay. them out and then you freeze them in Ziplocs and then pull it out for a week's worth of meat and then thaw it and then eat it and then move on to the next week. Okay. I used I to go to Santerra Market, which when you go like at their deli, they have like whole turkey breasts, like right off the turkey turkey breasts that they carve up into sandwich meat for you. Rather okay. than like the pre-blended turkey meat you get from a regular deli. Like, you know, when sure. you get chicken or turkey. Like kind like, of formed into a turkey sausage or something. Or they, like even like it's like more of a paste that they harden into like this shell, like thing. a sausage. Yeah, I it's stand a big, by big, sausage. Yeah, I guess it's a sausage, yeah. but it's a giant mega sausage. sausage. Sure. <laughs> uh, I never liked that because like the nitrates and the chemicals and the spices they put in just never it stops tasting like turkey though. All right. So, anyways, I'm a yeah. well. That's your protein component, but tomatoes and yeah, tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce, uh, cheese, pickles. Mayo okay on and what's your favorite bread? bread for this sourdough sourdough okay so there you go that's the lunch lunch update i just we haven't gotten into that so yeah no to i get into it. i yeah. love sandwiches sandwiches is my favorite food generally in life because it's so versatile when you said if, if oh i, said like, I guess try, thinking back to when i would bring sandwich stuff i ended up like splitting everything up because it would get soggy do you do that or do, no, like, do you assemble them sandwich. there? I build my sandwich in a way that nothing gets soggy though. Okay. I'm a big tomato nut for sandwiches. And I am and too, but yeah. I put my tomato on top of the pickles. And so it doesn't seep down into the bread. It doesn't even touch bread because on top of it is lettuce and mayo. Underneath it is pickles, 
uh, cheese and uh, thinking so never... back to our whole nine yards discussion, I thought you hated mayonnaise. I do hate mayo, so I should clarify it's Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip. Okay. I like that tangy zip. Salad dressing spread. Okay. It's it is okay. Do you know the difference between Miracle Whip and mayo? Uh, I no. I'm just gonna say okay. no. I could guess, uh, but <laughs> mayo is like uh like a patented recipe. Okay. So the and there's a patent people. that says this is what the mayo recipe is. So if you don't follow that recipe exactly, you can't call it mayo. Okay. So what's Miracle the Whip, difference? Miracle yeah. Whip uses less vegetable oil. That is it. Okay. So it's exactly the same. Less vegetable oil. Eggs and everything. But... All exactly the same. Less vegetable oil. But it can't be called mayo because it doesn't follow that exact recipe. So it is called Miracle Whip. Okay. So and that's the... why Kraft also makes mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. Like it's two different. Sure. Okay. So, so less oil, less fats for you. Yes. And therefore, and, zip, and that's because that's why you get that sweeter zing to it type of thing. And that's the miracle, I suppose. Yeah. So, All right. Well, there anyways, you go. Yeah. I love sandwiches, so this is a great question. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. A good sandwich shop. Have you, do you, have you found any good for sandwich shops in Calgary? Because I have a few. Ah, uh, like no, no, I'm super excited about. I mean, I liked uh, this chain called Earl of Sandwich that has a Vegas location. Yeah. It has an Edmonton location. They did not have the pork uh, pineapple sandwich. I really enjoyed though. So kind of lame, but I think I had a Cubano or something. It was okay. What yeah. What's the Calgary sandwich place? Uh, I'm a big fan of Grumman's Deli. Okay. There's two locations. Uh, the one downtown does a great uh reuben or montreal smoked meat sandwich okay and the one in britannia which is a little south of there does a great egg salad like they have thick challah bread like super thick challah bread on each side and then they fill it with like egg salad and t- and cucumbers and it is perfect it's amazing. i tried kind of creating a sandwich at that soup place i mentioned the lazy loaf yeah uh, but what I chose really didn't work out. It was like, it said something about like French bread or whatever. So I imagined I'd be getting like a baguette or something, yeah. but it was like, oh no, it's just some white bread. I was like, well, this is terrible. Cause it's not going to contain all the crazy yeah. wet ingredients I just chose. Well, so this is dripping all over the place. I'm a big fan of beef tip, but the place closest to us that does have a good beef tip, they choose, uh, uh, Okay, I say ciabatta bread, but other people say ciabatta bread. I say ciabatta, but yeah. sure, I know what you uh, mean. They choose that as their bread choice for this beef dip, but uh-huh. I prefer like a baguette-style bread for my beef dip. Soaks more, right? Because yeah. I, I view ciabatta as kind of airy. Like, it is airy, and it's harder to it. poke because it's, it's like pointy. So like yeah. cut diagonally, so it's pointy. Whereas this other thing, you just like can get the whole front of it into a beef dip. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, a dream of mine is to go to Philly and have like a proper Philly cheesesteak because they just look absolutely amazing. Wherever you see like a proper what, place steak tips, depending where you are. But yeah. 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 Anyways. Yeah. Great. Hey, thank you. But we're not a sandwich podcast. Nathan, you said that we were a movie podcast. That's true. And there's not a lot of sandwich films. So instead, we threw together a batch of action movies. <laughs> uh, one of our longest batches we've ever done. Uh, this is our 
I'm just going to read what I actually wrote instead of improvising a similar version. Uh, We have each crafted a list and we'll count them down from 10 to 1 to see how our thoughts compare. Thanks for joining us. It is once again my turn to begin the proceedings as Ryan started the ranking last batch when we looked at Will Ferrell. Uh, So yeah, 10 to 1. I guess it'll soon be revealed what the 10 were and presumably you've been listening all along. (laughs) Um, okay. So number 10, according to me, uh, was Ryan's dear, dearest inclusion on this list. Fought hard for it. Uh, Kevin Klein, Wild Wild West. Kevin yeah. Klein's Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Klein's Wild Wild West featuring Sir Kenneth Brana, Salma Hayek's boobs, and, uh, holy God, Will Smith in there. Apologies to Selma, but it was, it was pretty exploitative. I don't yeah. know. I just... I can't squeeze irony out of this one much anymore. I think it's quite a gong show. It is a, a like late nineties excess experience, but I just don't really enjoy it very much. Sure. So yeah, that's yeah. fair. I I still have like a weird soft spot for it. Some of it comes out of like nostalgia slash hype I had going into it. Okay. So like I just remember being excited to go see it. And like, when I, saw I like it, that Men in Black, and that's a lot of the same people. Yeah, uh, and, but it was a, like the, with the addition of it being Western because I liked westerns. As, like I like westerns as a person and as a kid I did too. So I'm trying to think if I really could be said to have liked westerns when I was a kid. We definitely were like interested in the spaghetti westerns at some point. I I want to just point directly at Back to the Future Two for putting me on those when I got onto those because they Back have to the Future Three or Two. N- Two, because Biff is watching. Oh, okay. Uh, for fi- like fistful of dollars or something. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. "What is that?" And then my dad's like, "Oh, it's this great movie." Because right, he learns about the chest plate in that movie, and it pays off in one. three. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I guess back to this. This barely a western. Uh, I don't really think I like steampunk as an aesthetic very much. Sure. Uh, yeah, pretty Which much top to bottom. You. You wanted, I guess, okay, I guess, what do you, cons- you wanted to do a cyberpunk batch. Cyberpunk is very different. Like, <laughs> okay. that that's the future, not some okay. imagined past that gotcha. is, like, okay. fetishizing old machines. But it's still fetishizing way. future machines, that's all it is. Absolutely, but some of that is coming to bear, like VR and everything. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. The cyberspace. Um, Lawnmower Man, you know, these great films. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. Like, if there's bad movies in the cyberpunk world, I find those more fun. Like, Virtuosity is probably terrible. I haven't watched it in a long time, uh, but I bet it's awful. Well, but I, I, you I know? don't like cyberpunk, but I thought Virtuosity was fun. But that's because like Denzel and Russell Crowe are having a blast. are sparring in this bizarre thing. Yeah. Same, same director as Lamar. I like Ryan. to think, I like to think that American Gangster wasn't about like they these guys working with Ridley and it was about these guys wanting oh, to it's reteaming the magic of virtuosity. <laughs> I it, so. that movie seems like it's fake. Like it's not even a real movie that ever <laughs> it seems happened. like yeah it seems like a movie people tell you about but you've never been able to see it's like, it in the real oh, world. Oh yeah so those guys were attached to being that. And it's like <laughs> no that came to be <laughs> like that's I saw it with my brain. Yeah. Um yeah that's fair. Okay. Yeah uh, I mean I, I kind of came into this list I was nervous about you putting this last because I think it'll throw off our entirety of our list now. 
Okay. It, I think, like, there's another movie that's obviously pretty close to, but I, I at know. least had never seen it before. So and so it was a my, my number 10 will probably be your number nine. So we can probably just talk probably, about it. Probably. We could probably move to it. Sure. I, I should say before I say it, though, nine of these 10 movies, I actually like. Like, I like nine of these 10s. I think this is the eight only of movie. these 10 movies I like enjoyed like eight enough of these 10s, to hold in a good light. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So One's obviously the one difference maybe. being uh, Wild Wild West. So obviously my number 10 and your number nine. Yeah. Is Hard Rain. It's Hard Rain. Yeah. Christian yeah. Slater uh, disaster mixed with bank heisting, but with really muddy morals <laughs> that kind of screw it up. Well, it's like the movie really, really wants like Morgan Freeman, their star to be in the movie in a sympathetic way. So they kind of like Ginny around a, a midway through the movie reason for them to start working with each other. Right. Despite them killing Christian Slater's uncle, Ed Asner, the yes. lovable guy from Up. Their like, it's friend. Just... <laughs> like yeah. in movie, they're Who friend, they know which... and were co-conspiring with, yeah. apparently. Like it's just really messy in a lot of ways. Like, I was some... impressed by... There's some nice things. I thought the the setting was good. We talked about how good the setting was and like the always being flooded everywhere and stuff yeah like that. the flooded sets and everything are pretty well realized it was coherent i thought it would be a yeah. messy ugly movie and it's not that and uh, i like um yeah oh my brain why mini driver i like mini driver i like that like sardonic sarcastic dry wit that she brings to her roles so that was mm -hmm. a pleasant thing but she just disappears for large swaths of that film too She's like chained up or something, and yeah. yeah. So, and then Christian Slater just is not an enigmatic enough of a person for me to like care about him in a lead role of an action film. Yeah, I just, I guess, I just kind of view him as like a wise ass, and he's your yeah. star. He's so. like a good buddy to an actual lead star. Sure, he's ribbing the real action hero or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. then they I guess they yeah, the weird wonky way they try to incorporate Morgan into the story as like, oh well, he's not that evil. Like he'll <laughs> he'll shoot at you, but he would never actually shoot you. Which is but sort he would of send just his like, men to shoot you though. But shoot at you. He doesn't but, want them to kill you because you know where the money is. Oh, so he was like know? I I took it as like his men are so stupid. That they were trying they to were kill pretty him. stupid, yeah. and to be fair, that one guy probably had a concussion for most of the movie after yeah, he crashed true. into the trophy case. So yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. not all there. It's true, uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it <laughs> it's just. It, and then it has like I don't know, like it just. It's an idea. It's like it's where this entire batch idea for me falls apart. Where like the mm -hmm. concept, you still need to have some pretty good players involved. You can't just have a high concept and it works. You still have to have some good actors in there to make this work to hold it up yeah like i i guess so i don't dislike you know randy quaid especially i, I know, know but I like, probably should i think <laughs> this movie might have worked if it was like sly stallone who was like the buddy cop like for me that this movie would have probably worked if it was sly instead of christian okay but i know that's not a thing but i'm saying like it's the high concept it's a good enough idea there's just missing some kind of aspects where i'm like there's not a person that i'm that's magnetic enough for me to carry me through this film. to tie it all together into yeah. something better than average or below exactly. average yeah i guess i went in expecting it to be even worse like with ebert hating it and everything and just hearing how nothing it is and i was like oh it's got something though it's does got ebert, a couple i don't think okay ebert chases. Likes many of these movies does he 
Oh, who can say? Um, I think, I, I'm, I think there's some three out of fours in here. There definitely sure. is, that for sure. Yeah, I, actually, you, you might be right. I think Hard Rain's the one he would hate the most out of this list. Hard I'm pretty sure it's in list. one of the books I have about movies sucking. So, yeah, yeah it's... It, I went in with that kind of, like, defenses down or whatever. I was ready for a real bad time. And I at least had, like, a goofy enough times where I was laughing at it sometimes at, like, how much they hype up that one guy and then he's the worst shot ever, like yes. in that boat chase or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, you better watch out for this guy. You've never been hunting with him. And then he's like <laughs> one arm rifling at Christian Slater and missing everything. And you're like, yeah. well, okay, that that was funny. I don't think it meant to be funny that way. It was supposed to be intense, but oh, well, I'll yeah, take yeah. it. Uh, and then that opening shot was kind of grandiose or whatever. So yeah, could have been worse. And some but... pretty solid special effects for its time and era stuff like that so yeah but from the guy who wrote speed i guess i hoped for more so, yeah for sure yeah it's still yost, it's still right? down there graham yost graham yost yeah cool um okay so i guess it's my nine then because we talked about nine right because i revealed my nine and that was your 10 so what's your nine my nine is a universal soldier this is okay it lands for me uh, um, this is close to where I put it too, actually. So okay, but it's not your eight, right? It is my eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about it again. Uh, but like you, you get to get your thoughts out there. First no, for sure. I um, I like this movie. I do. I just there's some part of me that doesn't think Jean Claude Van Damme is that like same level of of like it enigmatic. It's, it's tough because he genuinely was one of my favorite things about Expendables too. Like he's got a f- funny oh, thing yeah. he can do no, for sure for sure he's a great villain but i mean but I when he's playing my... just this kind of vanilla ice cream like good guy it's kind of boring yeah so that's what i mean like i just yeah. there's something about stallone and schwarzenegger and harrison ford that they just like they have some something to them that they could play a vanilla dude but like i'd like them more mm-hmm. like, uh whereas like jean-claude just kind of seems dull but if you give him some villainy stuff to do i think he can do good stuff and that's what i you mean see at some point example. like i think the thing he's hanging his hat on is he's actually okay at martial arts or whatever right yeah like it's yeah. just like i like tony jaw is tony jaw a good actor oh i don't know probably not no. but he can like throw an elbow like sure. nobody else or whatever but this, so. i think this is a great example of the rule though like a villain is always going to have more fun and that's why we have dolph in this movie because dolph is not a great like lead actor but okay. He's having a grand time as the villain in this movie, though. That's true. Yeah, uh, so. I think that was a one where we agreed on the MVP, right? We both gave it to. Oh Dolph. yeah, like he he's the star of that movie for me. Like the one I want to go back and watch because he's he's clearly having a blast being yeah. this bad guy. And, and you still do get John Claude doing a roundhouse eventually, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I enjoyed that. Yeah, um, but there's a there's a paper thinness to this movie. Uh, Roland Emmerich is doing his best. Uh, I still think like he goes on to do better things, obviously. Uh, the, but any of this stuff, when, whenever we're like hanging out with Jean-Claude and the reporter and there's no action stuff happening, it kind of starts to slow down and downshift in ways I don't enjoy. And some of those middle set pieces just aren't as crazy as the damn intro and stuff. Oh, sure. So a little too I... like the hotel sequence. You and I talked about this is a little too redundant for me for Commando, where it was like, Set five seven years just earlier breaking through movie. rooms and yeah this commando the... did this better so sure anyways yeah so yeah that's that's why it lands here for me i still like it it's just not the one i like the most though 
Yeah, fair enough. I think that that's kind of what happened. It just kind of sunk down a little bit because I, I wished it was a bit better. Uh, but it, I think this is the first one on the list that I was like, that was okay, though. That was, that yeah. was decent. See, catch that on cable sometime. I would have been happy. Yeah. Like, I kind of wish I saw it earlier because I might have developed like an irrational fondness for it. Be like, yeah, oh, remember that cool movie? If you were a Jean-Claude Van Damme fan as a kid, I think you would have liked this movie then for sure. This is definitely one of his better ones, period. Yeah. So uh, what would be the one as a kid? What was your big go-to Jean-Claude movie? Oh, I don't know if I had one as a kid, but when I first caught wind of Hard Target, I thought it was cool. Like, oh, okay. but that was mostly some irrational, like Lance Henderson enthusiasm. It was like, oh, okay. oh, he gets to be a bad guy in a big action movie. Cool. He's I, got a signature gun. <laughs> I have never liked hard act, like Hard Target at all. Fair enough. Yeah. I tried when I was a kid because I was like, it was post Face Off, and I was like, oh man, the guy and post Broken Arrow. I was like, the guy made a movie with Jean Claude Van Damme with a mullet, and like my friend kept hyping up this snake scene, where. <laughs> Okay. like this rattlesnake scene and don't, yeah don't get like, hyped about it i i like this is like a true like <laughs> like uh under siege 2 or something like we just stumbled on it on tv and it yeah. was fine it was like okay. okay there's people jumping around with shotguns and stuff this is okay this is fun so i had no like barrier at all okay yeah <laughs> so, whereas like yeah. my friend was literally he was a giant jean-claude fan so i saw way too many jean-claude van damme movies because my friend was like that was his number one Okay. And so Hard Target was always like, he always, we never were able to get our hand on it because the Rogers on 14th, where we went, never had it. So okay. we never got to see it. I saw this later on as a teenager, but he had always hyped this like rattlesnake bit where he took off the rattle. And so he didn't know the snake was there and it attacks him and it's crazy. And I was like, oh man. And I, I like blew it up in my brain. And then when I finally saw it as a teenager, I was like, it's like that oh, was okay. the rattlesnake scene. Yeah. It's just a rattlesnake without a rattle. Cool cool guys thanks yeah <laughs> all right so uh but okay yeah universal soldier is kind of all right uh but yeah i guess i agree that like jean-claude and roland would go on to better things so yeah 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 okay. time cop i'm assuming is great i'm gonna get hyped That's for that peter hines though i'm gonna i'm gonna hype myself to the moon and assume it's awesome i mean ron silver so i know i saw it as a kid and i remember liking it but not nearly thinking like thinking as a kid being like this yeah. probably could have been better there there's certain movies like like i think with the with a hard target i probably should have left it at seeing the last hour on tv and just left it eventually yeah. i did track it down and watch all of it and it's like oh this is a lot more boring like there's <laughs> things that don't happen in it like he's just riding his horse or whatever and i don't really yeah. care about that exactly. uh, <laughs> so yeah maybe just yeah fond fond memories of half scene movies we should uh keep them that way but okay yeah. so that was my number eight Mine number, number nine. nine yeah see like wild Boy west completely threw it all off so i'm gonna boot it back to you now yes now this yeah. is where we, we are gonna diverge because i can only assume this movie does sit higher on your list okay uh but this is where eraser lands for me you're not gonna believe this eraser is my next film <laughs> on this list uh but oh, once again you get to talk first about it because that's the deal but what's so. kind of great about this is actually working out really well because well i mean other than you got to talk about wild wild west like early a while ago yeah it was like we're 
This is a, I honestly thought this would be a lot higher on your list. I I like it still. I think it's just it's like such a middle of the road like okay movie that you kind of forget a lot of the finer details on because it's not really that standout. Yes. So it's it's fine, but it's it wasn't like extra special. And some of these other things at least had like something I could really hang my hat on. Okay. This is like. There's kind of sci-fi weapons, and James Caan is is a bad dude. He's going to betray you, and uh, since we talked about it, James Caan passed away, and I yes. felt like, well, I'm I'm sort of glad my, like, towards the end of his life, I really started liking him for some reason. <laughs> it just was like, James Caan, right? Here's a couple podcast trophies for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, in general, though, this is kind of a middle-of-the-road movie. Uh, it could have been better but there's some things I like. But what what did you think about it? Like, what's... Oh, for me, you kind of just summed it up. Like, I, I like the silly moments that happen uh, with, like, him dual-wielding these, like... Uh, what's What are they called? Rail guns. Rail guns, yeah. Um, I like the Al- the crocagators type of thing. Or, like, it's a fun, like, little, like, spit. Like, so all those things I've always quite enjoyed as a fan of this movie, but I always found it to be like a soft Arnold movie is really what it comes down to. It's like, this is like, clearly he's not getting the top level scripts. He this, was, this once is kind of the last of his just vanilla action stuff, right? Like people kind of mark sure. this as the end of it. You know, well, they mark it as like the last good Arnold movie. Yeah. Is really what it comes down to because he goes on to make like, you I don't like, think I agree with that because I like Terminator Three. And I like Terminator Three too, but what they mean is like is hilarious. That's so. what I mean. Like it's I'm not liking Terminator Three the same way I'm liking Terminator One and Two though. It's more in jest or something, yes. yeah. And you're not liking Six Day the way you're liking like Predator or Terminator Two or anything like that. No, but I'm yeah, I'm probably liking it the way I like Eraser <laughs> or something. Sure. Where it's so like you would probably say that there was a previous movie that was his last good movie but um yeah he goes on to make a bunch of duds in a row that some are entertaining and some aren't mm-hmm. uh, some should be entertaining like but isn't uh but like yeah I, it's just like a, a solid entry but it's never never gonna be like never gonna be my, one of my favorite arnold movies but it's not one that i i don't like so i'll rewatch. yeah it i don't think it should ever be in someone's like top five arnold movies or something it's yeah. like it's an okay one that is, you know, I like the bit where he's hanging from the helicopter shooting an airplane with his pistol. Like, <laughs> I still think that's a great dumbass bit, but it's oh, pretty it's a early. Good sequence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good sequence. I really do enjoy this. And that's the thing. That movie does have a lot of like, it is intercut with some good entertaining sequences. Um, mm-hmm. Even how he takes out, like when they establish his job as an eraser at the beginning of the movie with like the mafioso dude. And he's a ninja. And it's just yeah. like, this is, the government does not approve of just showing up and murdering a bunch of people and like, covering it up with other dead bodies that are unaccounted for at the morgue. Like, this is nuts. But <laughs> Yeah. I think we differ not- on the ending. I think it's really funny, but like, we're just like, nope, killed them all, <laughs> smoked him with a train. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's, that's not, again not legal but eh. <laughs> but it's but it's fine so yeah it's just like james it's a movie coburn always, smiles and says it's when fine, i think so. of like a three out of four or like a two and a half out of four but a positive two and a half out of four yeah or like is... a solid seven out of ten or 6.5 out of ten eraser is like perfect like seven on a good day you know yeah. get a good snack with it or something Yeah, it's like there's nothing wrong with it like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you like 
but I'm never going to recommend to you to watch this movie. I'm not going to go into my way. To oh, yeah. Like, like it's not like, go. Uh, oh, you haven't seen any Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, sir. Kick it off with this one. This is the one to kick it off with. So, yeah. yeah. But there's good parts. And there's, there's good parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I honestly, for me, I know, like, you, I fought for Wild Wild West, and you fought for Racer, but the only thing that convinced me about Racer is that I don't think it's also high concept enough for this batch. It's a little more character-centric than I thought. Like, it's it's more the nature of his job is the weird thing. Yeah. Like, so I, I guess I would still kind of compare it to True Lies in that respect. Sure. Like, it's like, he's a blank, and he does blank, you know? Like, it's like, all right. I mean, but, but if a racer had that extra layer of, but he's a married man with like a, and this is secret from his wife. Like that's right. There's, there's a big secret as opposed to him just, yeah. Just using corpses nice. to cover up people's deaths or whatever. <laughs> like it's, yeah. So anyways, it's like, uh, Oh, there's like a evil mole within the agency or something. Well, but... and you and I had talked about adding total recall to this batch, but you and I had decided it's not quite a nineties film, even though it came out in 1990. It, it, like, it feels like the 80s just too much yes. or something. Yeah. 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 It's not quite transition. And we already did Last Action Hero, which probably is his high concept action movie. From this era. era, Yeah. But we did. We already did that. Right. So. Yeah. We found another context to talk about <laughs> it in. So. Yeah. What so was, once what, again. What batch was that again? That was Weird Buddy Cops because right. it was a fictional character that's and right. a kid. Yeah. That's right. So. That's right. Anyways, so that's my that's my eight and your seven yes that's right okay. so once again i i immediately threw back the pass to you uh <laughs> so now we might start to we are definitely gonna we are definitely like because this is where i put wild wild west okay all so right this is where i land on wild wild west uh i went back and forth between eraser and wild, wild west being in this spot i ended it a little bit higher because i have a deeper nostalgia feeling for this like Eraser, I didn't like anticipate in theaters. I didn't like rent it right away. Like it was something I watched later on TV. And I mean, I was it. like nine when it came out, so I swear it just like existed on video or something. Yeah. And by the time I watched it, like via friends who loved Arnold Schwarzenegger more than I did, and like had taped it, I was probably like thirteen or something. Yeah. So we were like riding high on Sixth Day or something, and saw <laughs> yeah. and saw this. And it's like, oh, cool. It's like those weapons we're using in Goldeneye and Perfect Dark are in yeah. a movie. So it worked. Um, but yeah. Whereas Wild Wild West, like I said, in the in, in your section, I had that level of anticipation to it. Um, and then I still had a good time. Like, I, I like this the design of this world. As silly as it all is, it just kind of seems like a fun place to be. Uh, Bo Welch is, is Bo Welch in it, yeah. Uh, there's massive problems with the movie. I don't like Kenneth Branagh in this film, but I generally don't like Kenneth Branagh. So yeah, I think we kind of discovered that. I, for me, the jury's out a little bit. I think he was like absurd in it, so yes. that was funny to me. That's why I gave him maybe a slightly irony-soaked uh, MVP for that one. <laughs> uh, but it's still it's still really funny to me. Like Oscar winner Sir Kenneth Branagh in. Oh, like this wheelchair playing this like racist general or whatever. It's like this is so like janky and weird. Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? It's, it's also that that's the next level. For there's another level to this movie for me that is like there's a virtuosity esque fever. How did this quality. movie get made? <laughs> yeah, level like 
I know Will Smith. Okay, so for me, it's like, like okay, I understand hundreds how it gets of millions made. of dollars. Well, this yeah. I mean, I understand how it gets made. It's Barry Sonnenfeld, the director of Men in Black, and his lead star Will Smith wanting to star in this, and so a studio says, okay, yes, give him anything, and then they landed on this and thought this was a good idea. Yeah, over top of the Matrix. Both Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. Like so, no matter who sinks or swims, it's still them. But and so yeah. I'm just sitting there being like. Now as an adult, like there's a piece of film history that's like, this got greenlit. Like somebody sat down and like some executive was like, oh, Will Smith will be in it. Okay, guaranteed money. But then there should be an assistant that says, but wait, did you read the script? Did you actually like see what they're going to do? Oh, I love that old show from the 60s. (laughs) I don't know how it happened. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. So there's that level of like what I enjoy out of it. I don't love Kevin Klein, but I find him and Will do have some pretty solid chemistry in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I also love that song, man. It is my favorite, like Will Smith song, tie-in just song, summer everything. jam quality. It's forever. just, it's just that Wicked Wild Wild West is such a good song. So yeah, and I'm, and I like the score. I was happy with the score. The intro scenes with them, like, um, was that Jerry Goldsmith? No, no, it was Elmer Bernstein. Elmer it was Bernstein. one of his yeah. like last projects, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a fun score. So yeah, I, I, and I like Barry Sonnenfeld. I have a soft spot for him. So, like, where you have a soft spot for, even though I know Tim Burton's a better director, I 100%, okay. I 100% know this. I mean, they're both just working with Bo Welch, and he's tricking us, so yes. whatever. But I, <laughs> yeah. I like, I I recognize that Tim Burton's more important, but I just like Men in Black more. And I, I like, like Men in Black in a rational amount, so you're not really bothering me too much here. And then I, because I like Men in Black, I still like the sequels. I that know. caught me at a perfect UFO craze time, yeah. though. So it was like, oh, perfect. There's aliens everywhere. Like, this is awesome. So, uh, yeah. But I like the sequels, and I'm even mean, too. Like, I know it's not good, but I'm still sitting there being like, I get the crazy world-building stuff that's all happening anyways. And there's yeah. a lot more zany things that happen in that movie than the first one. Like, the I, weird, I, like, uh, Twilight Zone episodes that are telling you the real story of things. Like... David Cross coming back as a different character to explain all this. Like, I'm having a good time. That airport scene. Like, I'm just, it's a good, fun, silly movie that, like, is 88 minutes long. It is so short. Yeah. I think I just felt, like, shortchanged or something when I saw it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that was something I was, like, anticipating because of my love of that first movie. Well, and you heard, right, that there's a full-length movie out there that they just... The studio hacked up just the chopped third it, act. chopped it, chopped it. Oh, the man. third act specifically. There's way more stuff in the third act originally. Oh, the studio was well, just like, oh, this is getting too long. Cut it down. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't so know anyways. if more would automatically be better, but it would at least take the sting out of like it's over already. That was yeah. it. Exactly. All right. Ugh. Well, especially because like it's yeah, it is a movie you're looking forward to. It was a hotly anticipated, and it took forever for the third one to come up because that one was so kind of like, eh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Kind so. of poisoned the brand a little and bit. And I did so. like the third one. That fourth one, though, man, that was the one I was like, oh, like a new cast, new everything. <laughs> this should be fun. That One of the most joyless movie-going experiences of my entire life was Men that, in Black That fourth one might as well not exist. Like, it's so it crazy. Doesn't, it doesn't exist. Who okay. cares about it at all? I don't, like, I by all accounts, I probably should have gone out and seen it because I like the premise a lot and, like, both stars had great chemistry in Ragnarok or whatever. 100%. Like it should work out. Chris at that point had proven himself to be a fun, dynamic, hilarious lead, both in Thor three and Ghostbusters. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, 
What a perfect launching pad to be another comedy action franchise. Utterly joyless. The entire okay. movie is utterly joyless. That sucks. I guess I'll continue not watching it. Good. I don't, I don't you shouldn't. Know. It's, also, I, I don't, no words like wrong. F. Gary Gray, who is a solid thriller director, like B-level thriller director. He did Negotiator. Yeah. They gave him this movie. Well, had he already done like Fast Eight, so it's yeah, like, he oh, he's handled big action. But again, that's a big action movie, not a co- action comedy, though. Okay, it's like, like Men in Black is more of comedy based stuff than it is action based stuff. Yeah, I can't really think of any big laughs in Straight Outta Compton or anything. So, <laughs> like, Paul Giamatti's pretty funny, but he I don't know if he's supposed to be. So. <laughs> Anyways, okay, Wild Wild West, my number seven. All right, now it's the divergence time, probably. And it's mostly just the way this sat now and the way this reviewing went this time. This is where I put Air Force One, which is oh. arguably a big what? No, I thought I thought we were going to be back on the same page because I oh, didn't think okay, it was going to be this okay. one. But OK, go ahead. Uh, it's just it's just politically wonky right now, right now. <laughs> like in a few years, it might be funny again. I don't know. But like in the exact mood I was in the day I watched it, I was just like, oh man i don't know i'm like just feeling what dean stockwell's saying and they're all treating him like crap and i don't know what's going on so yeah and i don't yeah it's just something about it just didn't go down super smooth it was like i didn't expect pearls in my in my bubble tea or whatever and got weirded out so gotcha yeah it caught me off off guard a little bit i still like you know gary oldman's crazy intense it's probably still one of my favorite things he's done uh there's the real wonky betrayer guy who just kind of plays his cards in a really strange way i still find really funny Mm -hmm. uh like that he does not help the terrorists ever again and then xavier berkeley yeah and then still turns like heel right at the end to screw everything up uh and you know harrison's pretty great at it it's probably his last great movie from that era right well if you don't count indiana jones 4 but yeah 100 percent Right, that's like 11 years later. Like, it, it's kind of entering into the dark period where I was still going to see Oh, Hollywood yeah, where Homicide he was regularly and... making movies still, like Hollywood Homicide. Uh, There's that Firewall. one I never saw, like The Devil's Own, but I kept going like, oh, is that, is that a good movie? Yeah, it's it's bad too. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think, was that, I think that was the same year as this though. It might have been around the same time. I remember seeing a trailer for it at the Roxy Theater, which no longer exists. We found Wait, out Airdrie, Airdrie still is a theater, though. Airdrie's Roxy is gone, though. I think it's there might be some mall-related one, but we looked it up recently and it says permanently closed. Oh, that's too bad. Because we were in Airdrie eating steaks for my birthday, and I was like, hey, you know what? Let's go see a movie at the Roxy. What's planned? It's closed forever. Well, when, oh. I saw, when I saw Elvis and uh, Revelstoke, it was at their Roxy Theater. Okay. So, so they the have brand a... exists. Yeah. Good. So. But okay. Air Force One just didn't, just didn't hit the palette just right Just didn't vibe time, for you. So. Uh, yeah. When you started speaking, you were just like, you started saying words like, this movie didn't like quite work for me or anything like that with like new context now. So I was getting excited for you to say my number six yeah which is true lies okay true lies managed to muscle its way higher for irrational reasons but i'll talk about them later okay uh yeah all right uh so yeah true lies sits at number six for me um i it's not there's no like 
for all the set pieces that I kind of love, like I was thinking about it, I was making this list. I was like, no, I like the chase with the horse and the motorcycle. I like the climactic battle. I'm liking these action set pieces. For me, it was like the humor skews a little too like dark sometimes unintentionally so it's kind of turned a little mean-spirited like it's soured in a weird way some of the gender politics stuff some of the race relations stuff like it it is like kind of a guilty pleasure from the 90s maybe for a certain generation i don't think this movie is going to enjoy a second life discovery or something from like younger people it's just like what the hell was this it's like yeah i know it was a different time being there and i know he was your mvp but honestly, as time has gone on, I thought about it. He's no, no, he the... was a runner-up for me. Okay. He was—he didn't his... actually clinch it. It was John but... Bruno, the special effects guy. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But still, like even like he, his humor and his jokes were giving me more and more sour taste ideas in my head. And I'd be yeah. like, if any kid or any new person walked into that movie today, they would be like, "Who is this person? He's terrible." Like the way it's a little about- yeah it's a little bit like chicks am i right or something yeah. like he's really throwing like yes. <laughs> low it's a little like he's like the most misogynistic person in the movie by far um, yeah i and mean like, Ar- and that's with arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> he's coming off like a like the character and the actor are coming off a bitter divorce and yes. having like just this kind of salty thing they're throwing in there yeah. i kind of enjoyed it but yeah but okay. there's still good parts to it like jamie lee earns her second billing start status um she's bringing her a game uh her and arnold have like great chemistry despite the fact that arnold doesn't typically have good romantic chemistry with people so obviously Mm -hmm. jamie's carrying the weight on that side she's bringing a lot of great comedy bits some are like eye rolling but it's not really her fault that's like somebody sat down and wrote oh this will be a funny gag to drop this uzi uh, sure her being kind of klutzy i feel she made work sometimes that's like what i her mean stumbling like, into the room it, her, and everything. her choices worked the the gag of her dropping the, the thing doesn't work because i don't think that's her i think her dancing and falling and getting right back up immediately afterwards that was something she planned sure and sure so stuff like that works or like she's walking in high heels and like she's like she just like made herself look like like sexy and then she turns and walks away and her high heel slips, right? And it's just like, oh, it's a perfect little piece of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of those good things in it that I still like. And it's so cheesy and over the top. Um, but it like has its problems because like midway through the movie, it forgets about the main plot and goes off on this crazy divergent for 45 minutes. And yeah, it's it's kind of like the, the French comedy enters in. Yeah. I, I don't know that I can blame that movie, but it just seems like that's more what that movie would trade in at like a lower budget with kind of character comedy they don't james cameron doesn't balance the two movies he's making well because there's not a lot of like it's either an action movie or comedy and then an action movie and the only time you get a little bit of both is the fighter the firefight in the warehouse before the final climax because you get a little comedy slapstick comedy in there but uh, like with the with the Uzi and stuff, yeah. Or, but like okay. the opening scenes before the comedy stuff starts is all like very action oriented, and the last scenes are very action oriented with a little yeah. twist of like irony and like over the top like action stuff, like strapping the bad guy to a missile, sending him through the building, and hitting the other group of bad guys on the other side of the helicopter. Yeah, like saying you're fired and like, everything. Yeah, so I, I I'm still having a good time though. Like it's still a fun movie. It's just not. 
it's not my top five. The rest of my top okay. five are genuinely five movies I love. So this is where it's like it just etched out of. I was like, no, these five movies coming up are movies I love. Like I've watched these movies many times. I'll tell people to watch them. Six and below are, are ones that I either don't like or think they're okay. Okay. So. Um. Wait. So we're at my number five now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. My number five. This is coming after we just talked about it, but this is where I put Face Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly just because it didn't hit quite right. I felt it was a bit long and had laggy kind of structure to it. We we just talked about. <laughs> um, I guess the one element I forgot to mention was I think my favorite line John Travolta gets as Castro Troy is when he just says, "Oh, I have a confession, and I don't think you're gonna like it." I am Castro Troy, and then he snaps like Harv Presnell's throat or whatever. It's just yeah. like. All right, that was pretty stupid. Uh, yeah, there, like, I feel there's like a hundred great minutes in here or something, and it's it's two hours and thirteen minutes. Like, it's one of those. It's yeah, just it, a it little needs, fatty. It needs somebody to sit down and edit out some of the drama. Or and I realized some of the stuff I was asking to happen was awful stuff. Like, it's like they should have really screwed up with screwed with Joan Allen. That would have been great. But it's just like, no, that's horrible. Like, it's yeah. inherently like I mean, sexual like, assault if he d- fair, she doesn't know did, didn't they sleep they slept with each other they did but it, it like it was off screen and they kind of just dance around it but i was like no no p- pierce right into the heart of blackness that just happened and it's like no that's not this movie <laughs> no, we don't need to see the scene happen we know it happened because she says we've been living as men of life for a week. i know yeah. i i just realized like i kind of said like they should throw a little american psycho in there it's like no it's so much darker <laughs> that's, that's than so this movie dark. like this is a summer temple fun ass movie like, like it's that's yeah. about two people switching faces. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I kind of also realized, like, thinking back on it, it's like it's almost just like a Freaky Friday, but action, you know, yeah. like body swap in. But, but with, like, like with, but action, but using science instead of like magic, like using sci fi instead of like a, a genie lamp or whatever, or like, like a magical dagger type of thing. Sure. Because Freaky, uh, that horror comedy just happened and it was a magical dagger magic daggers okay yeah it's it's a little more grounded than that maybe <laughs> but you're right it, like, it does have body i love swap. it on the dvd they kept like making these like well like a, an incredible face surgery it just happened around that time so this is actually really plausible <laughs> or something like it's like I, I guess or it's like a friend of mine almost lost his ear so then i kind of incorporated that in yeah, yeah like all right yeah that's whatever like and when you were talking about making a sequel which i was kind of ruminating on it's like that's a great idea but why would they switch faces again Did, <laughs> that's, would they that's why i'm up excited because like the con- the concept of doing it again sounds great i don't know if they would switch faces but somebody or like faces. someone switches faces and like caster troy has to like realize that he's been infiltrated or something like or something or yeah. vice versa yeah yeah generally on board with that premise though because i think there's an inherent zaniness to it that sort of gets stomped down in favor of like drama that doesn't really belong yeah 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 like watching it i don't know that i actually as a viewer ever buy in to like oh it's the same dude you know like (laughs) genuinely like it's like that is the same person john travolta was playing but now he happens to have nicholas cage's face like it's like i'm never thinking that i'm always just thinking Oh, good. Nicholas Cage is here now, and he gets to be the good guy. Yes, and like it's like no, it, I don't. You know. never quite get the like the body swapness of it, where that you kind of get out of like you know the Jumanji movies or 
uh, Freaky Friday. Like, the, yeah, so, like you, you get a little bit of more of those situations where you're like, oh, that that is it does it's like Jamie Lee Curtis acting like a teenager, but she's it's doing all the well. magic of performance or something. But yeah. it's just like, no, I know they're kind of imitating each other, or whatever. But I just don't really like buy in all the way the yeah. way I'm maybe supposed to into the high concept of it. I guess sure, like it's kind of just the thing I like about it is when it's slow motion jumping around with shooting and whatnot so yeah. yeah or like or the crazy shoulder roll jump that cage is doing all the time uh but yeah so that's where it ended up middle of the pack number five sure my number five uh this is where i put cliffhanger um, okay and this was this kind of snuck up my list a little bit i was a bit surprised but okay but this like i said i, I want to be very clear five upwards are like in love territory okay. so it's like a really it was really hard for me to, to where these land uh and for me it just it felt more natural like yeah I, I like cliffhanger but there's just like john lithgow sometimes has too hard of an edge for me like he is like this movie eric Quaylen's too sinister when he yeah like his he's own just lover a little and... too like evil for them to match the movie's energy sometimes Okay. Like, he's just killing everybody or anybody. And I'm just like, oh, this is too chaotic for this type of a movie for me. Because, like, why would he ever have a girl? Guys. Why, would, why yeah. would he have a crew that trusted him if he's just going to be the type of guy who would kill you for whatever reason he wanted to? Yeah. Including his, like, girlfriend. Like, that is pretty gnarly scene. He just, he just, and it's like not gnarly in that, like, it's violent and it's for the idea of the character was like, this is just too chaotic of a villain to exist in a movie where this type of plan has to happen because he would just like, he's like the Joker trying to pull off this big scheme. And it's like, but the Joker would just kill people. Like nobody would work for him because he just would just kill people at random. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, but I still love a lot of it. Like, I mean, I love, I love Sly Stallone. Like 1993 Sly Stallone is like, that's peak Sly for me. Um, I know it's not peak Sly. Like he obviously has Oscar nominations around other times in his life and has more important characters like Rambo. But my, I saw Rambo, three first as a kid whoa interesting yeah i've always loved rambo three but like my childhood renaissance of loving like falling in love with sly stallone was 1993 where i was in like eight years old and we watched cliffhanger at home together and we watched Rambo three in a weird way is probably actually the safest one because it's the dumbest and least like grounded in anything where like he gets a bullet through his side and he has to pour and it fires out the back like it's great yeah he does self-surgery with like gunpowder yeah it's amazing makes sense somehow yeah i loved (laughs) it as a kid uh oh i i have an irrational like of rambo 3 also but i was introduced like pretty young to like first blood and it's like why was i watching that like (laughs) like it's just this like i'm in the same vicious post-traumatic stress movie about like the vietnam war like torture and all the stuff he went through it's like I don't know why I was watching that. Like, it's it's not like a Terminator. It's no. not like easy it's, to digest. It's kind of a serious drama sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, d- it's like I was like watching Deer Hunter or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like but wanting it's like, to it be in that thing. It is a better Deer Hunter, though. I'm going to put that out there. I haven't seen Deer Hunter in too long. I remember it being emotionally effective at the time, but it's kind of manipulative in a weird way. Yeah. Like, it might actually be bad, but I don't know. Um, I, I saw Rambo 3 first, and then that w- that's what my dad was like, oh, we should watch First Blood, because my dad loves First Blood. My and, dad loves First Blood. And, and also, we would, like, vacation near Hope a lot, because my sister comes from, like, the Chilliwack area. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. 
via adoption and everything. Yes. And we would be out there and like her grandpa knew a guy who provided the cars for first blood or something. So it was like, Oh weird. Yeah. We, we were sort of close to that movie in some weird way. So I needed to like give it proper respect or something. Um, But my dad never like, he didn't dislike first blood part two, but I think he didn't appreciate the, the heavy shift that happens there. Oh, two is nuts. Like, (laughs) I love a good helicopter chase and battle, but oh, like no. you're right, the I tone love, change I do from love one Rambo, to two, like First Blood Part Two, but it's like a different type of love. That it's if Ronald you like Reagan's First Blood, favorite movie. Yeah. If you like First Blood for like being a good movie. You like First Blood Part Two for being a, like an over the top action film, like a good over the top action film, written by James Cameron. Like it's almost absurdist. Yeah, yeah it's it's insane. So it's like I, that's the order <laughs> yeah. I watched them as a kid. I watched three, one, two and uh three just like as a kid like just i watched it as an adult and it is the weakest of the three honestly it is like not as boring sometimes there's some like like social commentary that doesn't work at all because it's trying to bring back in that first drama stuff but it's not good but there's still like the dude like he kills a guy the big russian by like hanging him and then pulling his chip pins out so he blows up being hung in the cave yeah like that yeah it's It's i like that cave fight i don't know so uh anyways that being said like 1993 he somehow fights a gunship yes. with a tank. I know. But okay. Back 1993 Sly Stallone was like peak Sly for me. Uh Cliffhanger and Demolition Man being like two like really important movies to me as a child. Obviously like I I grew up and I watched all the Rocky movies and saw like I got, it's like now it's like weird cuz I have like as an adult a deeper appreciation now for Rocky and First Blood. But it's hard to kill that nostalgia appreciation I have of, like, these, like, cheesier ones that are definitely not better movies, but I like them a lot. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Cliffhanger yeah. sits there. I like it quite a bit. Has a lot of... That opening scene is still pretty iconic, and it's, like, got nothing to do with the plot that eventually comes. It's just a really suspenseful opening scene. So. <laughs> kind of dark intro, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, that's, um, my, that's my number five. Okay. Uh, number four is where I ended up putting True Lies. Like it fell just off the podium, but I love that last chunk of it so much that it kind of overwhelms the darker period. Like the the Harrier jet stuff is all such like action candy for me yeah. <laughs> that I I can't I can't just throw it away. Uh, but bit of a tough ro- road to get there. Yeah. Like that middle section, I always kind of forget how long and extensive it is it's like no it's just this 40 minute chunk of this movie <laughs> is really interested in their marriage and manipulating and people and really dated humor yeah it, it's probably like air force one's dated in a weird way because of real life american politics this is dated for all sorts of social reasons social progress that's probably yeah. for the best yeah uh 9-11 happening and changing the power of some of this yeah it's just a weird weird dated thing so yeah but man that harrier jet sequence though he shoots all those guys in that yeah. floor he just smokes them all 100%. it's awesome some of the sound editing i know it was only nominated or whatever but it's pretty good yeah when he oh, and even just clips like, that you, building you, you putting this out with the visual effects guy winning mvp for you but like the practicalities of having the crane being incorporated yeah like i don't even think about it that that's part of the rigging it's just part what the action scene is yeah 
and then it's like oh they're hiding all these wires and stuff you're like oh man it's awesome yeah uh so yeah that last chunk even the car chase stuff like the bridge stuff i remember liking that a lot too oh yeah that practical stunt is pretty solid of like somebody being pulled out of a car and jamie lee like no that's like her for some shots hanging out of a helicopter and then i guess the earliest beats that are kind of fun is yeah the the motor like the motorcycle horse chase is (laughs) the right kind of stupid and absurd and not quite a spectacle you've seen elsewhere so despite the stuntman gaffes all over the place (laughs) but i mean like there's a part of me that's just like if it's if it's going to have James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger together, there's going to be stuntman gaffes. Like, that's the real reason it hasn't been released in HD. It's like, oh, we screwed up so many times. Like, there's no way to fix this. I feel like, no, I, I do feel like he'll do face mapping now or something like that. Yeah, like, just, like, CG in well, you remember Arnold. Remember, like, Elvis, like, they just took Austin Butler's face and put him on actual Elvis acting in all those movies in the movie montage? Oh, okay. It's like, there's the movie montage in the Elvis movie. They, he's not reacting any of them they're just face mapping him on into already made yeah elvis movies okay yeah. they're forest gumping it is what they're doing they're forest gumping it a little bit All which right. is which is weird which that is we... the movie that defeated true lies for yeah. the oscar so oh, okay yeah <laughs> a kind of a lot of oscar nominees and winners in this batch in weird ways like yeah. four technical categories yeah well, that's uh, not but... shocking uh, Face Off actually also nominated for a sound Oscar, so exciting. Yeah, that actually makes sense, right? But okay, that's my number four. Just out, out of the metal contention, I uh, managed to get eclipsed by uh, Sly Stallone. I'll just say Sly edged out Arnie in this, and that's weird for me. That is weird for you. That is what happened. Yeah, so. you have two of his and zero Arnold in your in the metal category so yeah yeah. uh my number four this is where air force one lands for me okay Uh, so no metal for harrison ford either no no metal for harrison ford um yeah it's honestly it just comes down to like the premise this is like when this premise uh, this concept of this batch came to me it was like air force one was born to be this is this is what 90s high concept action movies were was this is where they got to with the diehard clones it was like the president is the action hero and punches a terrorist and kills people and like all those things and this movie could have been bad but then like the things that for me that worked is like harrison ford elevates this material to be make it a better action film than just Mm -hmm. another diehard clone uh and that's just like comes down to like he doesn't carry himself like other action heroes do like when Arnold or or Sly run or Nicholas runs, like there always looks cool as they run. Whereas like Harrison's just like throwing his body around like a real person would, and he's like flailing everywhere. And then he punches a guy; his whole body's going into it because he's just like the president. He's not going to be able to punch a guy out with one punch. He's got to like throw his entire weight at it and give him a mm-hmm. giant bomb. And he still can't knock the guy out after two hits, type of thing. Like I don't know, yeah, stuff no, like that, a like. Certain raw every like the everyman i guess but he's the it's president like the everyman that works because even bruce uh like he was only an everyman because he was he was the moonlighting guy but he, if you watch okay. that movie he's kind of an action star in that movie like he's i guess doing so action yeah. star things like he's literally jumps out of a window and flies out in the air shoots out another window and flies and everyone talks about how realistic diehard is he <laughs> ties himself up to a wire like a- flies out of the hose 
and then flies out of the window of a high skyscraper, and then when he's coming down to the floor, exactly the floor he wants, he shoots out the window and goes crashing through, all without feet on and without lacerating any major arteries. Like realism, dude. It was pretty. Yeah. I just this movie has a bit more, honestly, a bit more realism in it for me. That's the Wolfgang Pearson effect. No, I don't know. (laughs) I kind of want to give him some credit, though, because he is, like, a pretty accomplished dude in his own right. Yes. Like, there's a certain gravity to these proceedings, even though they're kind of absurd. But I I like how they just kind of bald-faced lie to you about features of Air Force One, and you just (laughs) go with it. Well, but also, like, he could have treated the the premise a little more grandiose-like. But I kind of just made it, the movie self made itself believable that the president could take on these terrorists. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I'm sitting there thinking about, whoa, this is the president taking on, like, this is George W. Bush taking on the president. This is Bill Clinton. I'm like, this is like, they're making James Marshall a believable dude because he's, they're not making him do crazy action stuff. He's literally being like, I'm going to change these wires or I'm going to get this gun or I'm going to fight this one guy. And punch him out, but he's gonna. I'm gonna get hurt a lot because this guy's obviously a better fighter than me. You're right. He doesn't like knife fight someone on the wing of the plane or something. <laughs> like it's not quite yeah. over the top in no. that respect. So yeah. he's just. It's kind of just like pretty low key thriller. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I, I just and I've always just enjoyed that movie. It's always a fun watch for me. So I. The I think if stuff... one element is really grandiose, it's the score. <laughs> it's like it really kind of boosts everything into this absurd like zone sometimes but it's uh fun. the geopolitical stuff it's like for me this sits in like like Aaron, Aaron sorkin's america where it's like no like this is like in the world where like martin sheen as the president is the greatest human being in the entire world and of course a great human being would become president and not like a, a conniving backstabbing person who's capable of climbing the political <laughs> ladder so like yeah that's that's where that's why I don't think of like the geopolitical like this isn't the America of the world we actually live in. Mm-hmm. Cause like I guess this week's episode is brought to you by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They're doing some good work down there. Really like what they're up to. Uh, yeah, so, Do, doing J Edgar proud. Yeah. So. so I just that's what I'm trying to say. I just like this lives in that idealistic version. Like what, this is the American. This is the America that Americans think of their country, and not the actual country that they have. Type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, this is the one episode on our website that has like crypto spam on it. <laughs> like, there's a comment under this episode. It's like, oh, did this episode get out there in some weird way? That well, we got a couple of them actually. There was uh, everything must go. Got one too. There's got just like there's a couple thing. of there's a couple of people that are were trying to get us to sign up for some. Like you're talking about on Instagram. No, on okvideo.ca. Oh. Like, the website. <laughs> so, oh, I was like, wait, what's creepier. going on? Yeah, we got, um, we twice we've gotten tried to get hooked into a scam on Instagram through our postings. Oh, sure. I was offered some Vanity Fair, yeah. like, uh, diamond jewelry. Yeah, it was like, hey, do you want to advertise our watches? <laughs> want to be a brand ambassador? It's yeah. like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> like, they don't know who I am, but whatever. All right. Yeah. So yeah. just off podium, just off podium. Now it's bronze medal time. Yes. And first up, bronze medal for Nathan is Cliffhanger. This is where I put it. I think it's just because I feel this movie from minute one to the end is like pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> like it's there's no like horrible dips or like crazily aged stuff for me that I felt yeah. really. Yeah. Like it was 
it's a movie about mountain climbing and there's terrorists up there in the mountains and there's going to be some like stalactite impalings and snow burn business and crazy action and yeah i i just kind of like it like it's oh, pretty sure. solid yeah 100 yeah. percent. michael uh, rooker is pretty fun he's in a good fight at the top of a mountain uh that poor guy i forget their friend's name ed yes, just gets ed. real real raw deal there it's, <laughs> it's you know so i'm emotionally deal. engaged in it yeah every time uh and yeah just you know like sly versus a bunch of weird bad guys <laughs> And, and like he not, never using them. a gun, just having creative ways of killing people using his like, like yeah. The, the closest is that like baton shooter or I know. whatever, like the like mountain the thing, bolt, the bolt thing, yeah, the bolt gun, yeah, uh, which is not the recommended climbing tool for a lot of these situations. But whatever, yeah. like that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Eric Whalen, I guess is is pretty intense, but I just like Lithgow enough to not really perceive it. I guess yeah. like it's just like. No, no, that's James Franco's dad from one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I don't really like, oh man, so many squibs and he's just killing everybody. Wasn't <laughs> there really... a joke this season on Solar Opposites about this movie, but like John Lithgow is like the reason why they don't like this movie because like they can't buy him as a villain? Oh, maybe. They might have called him out. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, who was the other guy though that was up for this? Christopher Walken, right? Yeah. I just don't see that being a much of a trade. No, but I kind of wanted that though because I feel like Walken yeah. would have been just a fun. Because like A View to the Kill is not a good movie, but Christopher Walken's having a good time. That movie should be better though. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. if it had a better James Bond, it would have been better. But, uh, yeah, maybe in the like if Parallel Dimension, I would at least watch that version if Christopher Walken was it. Maybe he'd sell being evil in a different way. Or you just would have uh, had that inflection of like. Like I swear they need to rewrite that so he's not British or whatever. Though. Yeah, like 100%. no, <laughs> I think they just, just would make it like oh, it's Christopher Rocken now. Like it's just a Christopher Rocken role. And wherever he's from, that's yeah. where he's from. Yeah, I don't even know <laughs> where he's from. What is his accent? It's just, it's just Christopher Rocken. Like it's just, it's like, just hey, Christopher Rocken. He I, found that. I need more cowbell. You know, lying like around. <laughs> so yeah, I saw him recently in a in a skit that I don't know I can talk about. Um, but whatever. <laughs> SNL, it's about a colonel that visits the town. It's it's fun. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my number three. This was hard. So my top three, my third third placement, you gotta hear it all out, okay? Okay. Because okay. I think this is where Con Air land for me. <gasps> now, I love Con Air a lot. A deep amount of love for Con Air. This is top three movies that were hard for me. But it's out of the two Nicolas Cage movies in this match, it is the less important to me of the two. All right. So, honestly, out of the three, like, whenever I rank those three, the trifecta of Nicolas Cage action films that came out in one year time type of thing, uh, Conair's always been number three. But it's like a, a number three that I oh. love type of thing. Whereas this this process has revealed to me that uh, it it's it's not number three to me i can't <laughs> I tell you what number it might be yeah but i mean like the, like for me the rock is number one and then face off and then connor uh okay yeah so so but i love connor so like i'm having a great time with this movie it there's a lot of fun things we've talked about it to death like all the supporting cast is having a blast with this movie you, you can tell you can't tell that john cusack doesn't want to be there or is there for the wrong reasons because he's just he's still doing his work admirably. 
yeah sure i i you don't really it doesn't show up on screen no. so same with like malkovich who may or may not and have enjoyed this process <laughs> uh it cyrus is fun and oh, yeah. that's what matters so and yeah. when you think about like another thing of like high concept action movies like there's three movies on this list that are like quintessential high concept action movies one is air force one one is connor like it is has to be connor because it's just like what if you like prison break in the sky yeah exactly yeah. and then you put in like and you don't even like have a big action star because this is his first lead action role because he wasn't the lead in the rock like that's a sean mm-hmm. connery film that also has nicholas cage in it um so yeah but it's just like he proves himself capable he's there having a great time his hair is fantastic yeah i i love connery so definitely okay. not upset about it uh so silver medal for me was uh demolition man that's okay. where i put it yeah uh i think it edged out cliffhanger just by like what i find fun about it is more fun i guess sure cliffhanger is a little dour in some weird ways like the opening has the yep. tragic fall and everything ed gets killed in a pretty <laughs> yeah. gnarly way even just like the two skydiver guys those those two jokey characters like one of them has to die terribly like yeah. it's just like man this movie is just oh, kind of kinda... the other one die terribly too just like because eventually no just... ed flies him to a hospital okay. I, I made sure to note that because i was like oh no what about that guy it's like no he pulled through it's yeah. like, oh thank god because okay. you were you were throwing dark there for no real good reason yeah uh demolition man is playing around with it a lot and wesley's really great as a villain oh, so like, i i like john lithgow as a dude but wesley snipes probably the best like right up there for the best villain in this whole batch oh yeah uh, no, he's say. having a he's having a real fun time in, the, in this role right like yeah yeah i enjoyed the kind of goofy future they come up with the way they rib on like consumerism and where mm-hmm. we're going <laughs> was kind of like more funny than tragic i guess i found oh yeah because like with uh, paul verhoeven's like criticism of north american consumerism his is like a lot more cutting whereas this one's a lot more goofy parody a little bit yeah Yeah. it's like haha taco bell or pizza hut (laughs) as you may see uh yeah no, nothing too too deeply cutting it's more just like lethal weapon three posters and (laughs) uh (laughs) likes this weird cryogenic world we apparently are headed towards or whatever we're, uh, we're, and we were heading towards i think i think i i liked how like with some of these movies like face offs the other one probably were like yes i could describe them by the actors names but like john smarten john spartan and simon phoenix are cool action names so like <laughs> they're true. easy to stick or whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I would think of them as the characters first kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, such as Castor Troy, which is a great name. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Demolition Man, fun time. Kind of wish there was director's cut. Like, I wish there was more serious story about his daughter. <laughs> I want to know what happened. Like, what did what did Stuart Baird see before he chopped it all up? Yeah, before he, like, assembled the film that we Don't saw. Don't need this. And it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay. 3DO uh, video game, man. I might, I might check it out. See honestly, if I can Stuart Baird is one of those guys. Like, if the movie comes out right, you like him for it. But if the movie comes out wrong, you are going to hate him for it because he's fixed <laughs> movies. He genuinely has fixed movies. Like this was a gong show when he saw it and yeah. he made it palatable. It's like okay, or okay. he made some pretty stuff. Like I like he did Executive Decision. That's his movie. Okay, and I like that movie. And he, but he did give us also the the tenth Star Trek film. Oh boy. 
yeah that was not a good boxing day <laughs> when i saw that well and it killed star trek for a very long time and hobbled like tom hardy's beginning for yeah. a few years yeah, like yeah. he he probably would have entered on the scene <laughs> earlier than he did oh, sure. if, if yeah. that didn't happen yeah. but all right yeah it's my silver medal okay my what, silver what's... medal uh this is where face off landed for me um, okay uh I, I just okay i hear all your criticisms and but we talked about this last week the maudlin works for me like those like dour moments work for me because they were largely sitting with caster troy obviously I have to put up with and accept the reality that John Travolta is starring in this film. And it's like going to take up half of, the movie. Yeah. yeah. But when I think of Nicolas Cage and the importance of him in his career, the reason why I put this above Con Air is, because, is mainly because of Nicolas Cage. Because this movie has peak Nicolas Cage in multiple ways. Because you get, you get that like over-the-top Castro Troy character he is in the opening scene. And you get like some truly amazing Nicolas Cage having a blast on set stuff happening. Mm-hmm. But then you get Nicolas Cage who has to take this maudlin, super sentimental, overly dramatic stuff. And he is doing some pretty fun things with it, as well as doing some pretty solid stuff with it. So for me, Nick Nick is the reason why I love Face Off as much as I do. Uh, despite all the problems that I do agree with you on, and we talked about them at, at death last week. My love for what Nicolas Cage is doing carries this movie beyond further for me. Because okay. these are movies I liked of his, but Face Off was the first time I think I understood as a like a teenager kid what he was doing. Like I started to see this like shaman, like crazy <laughs> energy he was bringing. And I was like, I was hooked from as a kid being like, what is this Castro Troy character I could eat peaches for hours. I would say that all the time as a kid. I didn't know, you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I was saying Angus. it because yeah. there's something magnetic that I found. And so for me, though I liked him before this movie, this was the movie where I think I first understood that this guy, this man is beyond special. Like he is a treat that we all should be appreciating. And I just, and for me, that was like, so for me, it's like, there's an undeniable nostalgic factor that I can't walk away from because that's there for me. So for me, it's just, it's pure Nicholas Cage appreciation that puts this okay. as high on the list as I can. So. All right. And the gold medal goes to the true great Nicholas Cage movie from this batch con air. <laughs> so it's just so much better. Uh, it's easily the best of those three action films. I've decided now it's, okay. it's the one I can watch the happiest every time. Uh, sorry, I'm not actually. I mean, I like all three. You're making me seem like I don't like Con Air. I do. just I hating love... on this movie, putting Michael Bay over the great Simon. West. I will 100% <laughs> always put Michael Bay above Simon West. All right, you're uh, that no, big, you're, I just you're that big of a Laura Croft stan. Love it. No, it's not true. I'm lying now. I just find this movie like the perfect cheeseburger of a movie. Yeah. Like it's such a over the top zany thing like it's filled with goofiness despite the like ostensibly serious subject matter of all these horrible criminals yeah yeah it's it's like a goofy party movie well, they know and they know exactly what they're doing like they are yeah, it ends with like almost 
Animal House style like sti- <laughs> title like cards of everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. laughing and smiling. American and Graffiti. Like, These are mass murders. Thing, like, yeah. This is such an inappropriate movie. Uh, and I watched it like, on Disney Plus. Like it was super <laughs> funny to me all around. <laughs> well, so. we're watching. To be fair, we're watching Solar Opposites on Disney Plus, and that movie like show is like. But it's branded like Hulu and stuff. Like this is not like, us in Canada. It's like I'm watching it on Disney Plus. In the states, you don't watch it on Disney Plus. You watch it on Hulu. Separate. As far as I could tell, this was like Walt Disney presents Con Air, <laughs> and it was super funny. Uh, like, yeah, the Vegas stuff. Like it's kind of one more thing. Fire truck chase. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, from like it's just. It flows really fast. I don't find it's overlong or anything. It doesn't have any of the weird problems I've had with previous movies. It potentially has some like weird stuff with like Dave Chappelle being there and where he's at now with his controversy and whatnot. But he at least falls out of an airplane. Well, and... I mean, and at that point, he wasn't a controversial figure is when he chose to be controversial now. Yeah, so. I know. So it's like in hindsight cringy casting 1997 <laughs> again but there's no reason for it to be cringe in 1996 because he wasn't... there's no reason yeah, yeah it's fine so time has you know but also he could become a bad person subsequently as well right if the aliens from arrival directed it though it would be a really weird choice right like with oh, the curving yes. they would yeah. know they would they would they know still and they made the it. poor choice i was so confused so if simon west is one of those i thought at first because i know you don't like villanu so i thought you were talking about the aliens from the from the arrival. if the backwards knee aliens from <laughs> charlie sheen's <laughs> arrival directed it uh yeah that wouldn't quite work i do like that movie quite a bit yeah though. no i know you do um so like i i'm fully with you because like, i think i appreciate about this movie is like how everyone understands what the assignment is and they're all on board because this movie is ludicrous. Like it is written as if somebody was writing a parody for oh. an action movie, but then they brought it down a or step. Or a parody so. of like Hannibal Lecter or something yeah. and then Steve Buscemi walks in and it's like, like they're doing that, has... but then they, they walk it back a step. So it's not quite parody. And what you do is you kind of just get this ode to action films. That's just a big spectacle type of thing. And, like it has that kind of perfect '90s rockin' guitar riffs oh, yeah. in the score. That, stuff. Like that Jerry, Br- like that I put that towards like the Jerry Bruckheimer feel, the like, Jerry Bruckheimer vibe. Yeah, and the way it kicks off is so patently absurd. Like his sentence has to be <laughs> X number of years, but he was the most like I am defending my wife from like criminals. Yeah, it's like nope, no mercy for you in the great state of Alabama. It's like what is happening? Yeah. So. I don't know. Like I'm at some time at some points I guess it's a bit of irony, a bit of sincere affection and just generally feeling this movie doesn't have a lot of fat and is just entertaining nonsense in the way I like. Sure. So like yeah. Some of these movies like maybe a little too much, like True Lies a bit too long, Face Off's a bit too long. Like there's kind of bloat here and there. I didn't really feel that with Con Air. Okay. And maybe The Rock too, but it's not part of our consideration. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. But you know of the other big three nicholas cage is an action man now i think why i'd edge it out over that even is just is just that it's leaner and stupider sure and that's what i like <laughs> so uh so my gold uh is going towards uh demolition man <gasps> i know uh and oh wait I, yeah that's that's obvious now <laughs> like yeah. talking at length while watching the episode like this is just an important movie to like my life growing up like i just fell in love with it as a kid and i have loved it ever since 
and all the things you said are true. It's got some pretty solid like sci-fi commentary, but it's still like silly fun. Sly is having a grand time wherever he is. Like uh, Dennis Leary's just kind of killing it. <laughs> that's <know>. the one <laughs> downside. Uh, Sammy no, B I... is having a good time. Rob Schneider is having a good time. I find Rob Schneider to be on most days a pretty hard person to hear talk okay just with the the happy madison legacy yes since then but this movie yeah. i find him to be funny in like that one line he gets to deliver like we're not trained for this type of thing uh mm-hmm. is a pretty funny line um and yeah like you said wesley snipes as simon phoenix is just he's having a blast that final fight scene is great his death is spectacular like it's having a grand time type of yeah. thing so yeah yeah i honestly like if you if you want to know my thoughts on it it's just an important movie to me. I bought, like I said in my podcast, in the original episode, I, I bought this movie four times in my life. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I'm surprised how, like, much it cut close to the top for me. I think it's just it has a pretty fun vibe also. Like, Con Air and Demolition Man have kind of fun, dark comedy going on. Yes. Uh, well, I actually find yeah. it fascinating that you have you have two Stallone films in your top three. I don't dislike Stallone, but it, I kind of got on board with the Rocky movies and stuff okay. when I was a kid. Um, um, so these are weird entries, but I, I definitely had like a good sleepover rental happen with Cliffhanger. I think we we were en- enjoying that quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I still find the chaotic edit around the like stabbing into the slot tight scene really crazy. Like I maybe I should watch the work print cut or whatever. See yeah. what's missing. It, you uh, can at least just watch the trailer. It's in the trailer. The shot of him jumping like horizontally perfectly is in the trailer. Yeah, so. yeah the vertical limit one up like seven years <laughs> yeah. earlier. Before yeah. vertical limit even came out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's bonkers, but I'm I'm kind of here for it. So, I think my only like qualm with Demolition is I, I sort of still feel it's like not quite complete or whatever. Like the Stuart Bear. Like I want that Jesse Ventura fight you know yeah i it, want i want uh when you if you see jesse venture on screen you expect something especially to happen. In, in 1982 like he's already been a massive wrestler and an action movie star so like it seems like a missed opportunity especially since it does exist or did exist exactly. it seems like studios kind of screwed this up yeah exactly uh, so it, yeah it's just kind of like oh i liked it but i i wish there was uh like more prestigious version of it or something that yep. dusted it off you know? honestly this batch of movies like i think we have enough minutes of once upon a time in america at this point we don't need to dig up anymore <laughs> we need to find the lost minutes of demolition man and restore it to its glory so um film historians like marty get on it yeah. like what are you doing well to be fair marty is a little bit of a hypocrite because he's like film is important but only the films that he i about. think are important yeah. king um, vidor yeah uh no this batch of movies, like this this specific batch of movies we did this batch around, like there's so many of these movies are from my childhood. So they're like hard for me to critically think about them aside from like my nostalgia. Sure. Yeah, this is a very fraught with nostalgia zone. Like we were, I, like, I, I swear I watched, I, I watched Cliffhanger in a tent in our backyard. Like yeah. we were doing like a weird extension cord outside yeah. thing. And it's like, oh, it's like we're outside camping. But I'm watching this movie. I think the only movie from this batch that I saw later in life was Eraser. No, no, Universal Soldier. I watched all these movies within one or two years, probably one year of all of them coming out. Okay. So it was Eraser. I mean, not Eraser. It was Universal Soldier is the only one I saw as like 
later when I was like, who's this Roland Emmerich guy? And I like Stargate, so I'll watch Universal Soldier. I never missed that. Okay. I, I missed that one. So Yeah, that one and Hard Rain were my new ones. This We this rented Hard Rain as a family because my parents like Morgan Freeman, so we watched that together. All out, right. So. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I chose. I said I, I put it on there because I, I'd only seen it as a child, so I could be wrong. But you weren't. But so yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So, anyways, all right. So that's the batch ranking. Uh, there you go. Similar in some regards. Well, yeah, we the, were first, running the first step run, and step for a while there. The first run kind of like ran, but it was like my number was lower than your number because you had Wild Wild West offset. But yeah, yeah. But still, there you go. All right, question time. Both of these are kind of negative. So, which what do you want to do? Do you want to rag on Stanley Kubrick or famous movies? Sorry, rag on Stanley Kubrick. All right, let's do it. So, Stanley Kubrick, really great director, but he has one fatal flaw: he keeps casting really boring people in his leading roles. He just doesn't Jack have an act for is it. A boring person. No, but four times he's done this. Right? Or Tom Cruise let me, is a boring. Let me person. run these names past you. Let me run. These Kier Dulia. Okay. Matthew Modine. 100% disagree. Ryan O'Neill. Not that interesting actors, I'm going to say, for all three. I'm going to put that out there in the universe. You said four. I, I screwed up. There's only three that I have okay. here. <laughs> I, agree on, I agree on Kier Dulia. I like... Because I'm, I'm defending James Mason. I think he's okay. Uh, so. I like... Because um, I was saying, Kurt Douglas is also not a boring guy. Um, no he's not yeah he had fortunate business going on early and i like peter sellers so and malcolm mcdowell is also not a boring guy too malcolm mcdowell is great yeah but why in like 2001 specifically so i i read that book david bowman is far more like interesting in the book than he is in the movie but i don't Mm -hmm. put that on kier i put that on stanley like really making the humans robot like yeah, I guess you could look at it as kind of like a Peter Weller type thing. Yeah. <laughs> or he's kind of dull, but maybe he's supposed to be. I think Because so. in real life, he's not. He's really weird. Peter Weller? Uh, P- yeah, he did yeah. a Q&A at like Comic-Con. And I was like, this is this is the guy? Like, this is that boring ass dude from Naked Lunch? And it's like, yeah, he's a wild weirdo. It's like, oh, well, why didn't that come across in yeah. the movie? To be fair, it doesn't come across. And I've seen Labyrinth and it doesn't come across. No, what is it? leviathan i thought saw leviathan and it doesn't come across oh, okay there either, so. doesn't come across there like i was putting him in that like gabriel byrne camp he like, is like kinda it, i kind of put him there too because but i i don't mind it because i don't want robocop to be like wild and crazy like he's got to be a robo cop he's more so robo <laughs> yeah uh but i think this is why i like had 2010 weirdly not hated in my life because i was like Man, you know what? I just like Bob Balaban and John Lithgow and Ro- like Roy Scheider. Those yeah. are just good actors. They are, good and sure, actors. it's a way worse movie. Yeah. But at least there's good actors in it this time. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I so. don't think, but I think like what Stanley was trying to do, and I think in that movie specifically, wasn't making an actor's film. He was making like a film's film. Like sure. Um, and I yeah I I love Jack Nicholson in The Shining and he gets to be full on zany and whatever uh, so he's making it in that movie. I'm not gonna argue anything for Ryan O'Neill. I I find Ryan O'Neill generally to be a pretty boring person, so I agree with you. I've never I just seen find Barry the story Lindo. of why he chose him is so weird. Like he had it was like all right Stanley, we'll make your super dry three hour thing. We'll do it. 
but you need to cast someone from like the top pay like the top grossing actors from the last year and like love story had just come out or whatever so it's like all right ryan o'neill it's like robert redford is also on this list are you sure you want to go that way oh yeah ryan o'neill is so great what a talent it's like what are you what and so i don't know but i swear fair, okay, i to be fair to um to be fair to stanley kubrick Sometimes you want to cast the right person. So, it like, Robert Redford would probably overpower the role and be Robert Redford on screen instead of be the character. Robert Redford as Barry Lyndon. Exactly. In Barry Lyndon. It's coming out. Get excited. And like, that's what I mean. Like, it shouldn't be there. Sometimes an it. actor is bigger than the role that they're playing. And he yeah. doesn't take me as a person who does that. Like, though, honestly, Kurt Douglas and Tom Cruise are the only two really famous people he worked with that were yeah. not the role. Like, I did not include bigger. Tom Cruise either because I actually like him in that movie quite a bit. I no, think I it's... do too. But, uh, but that's what I mean. Like, they're the two actors that he worked with that were already pretty big. Like, Jack Nicholson wasn't that big in 1978. He was, like, kind of Easy Rider, a few small indie movies. Like, uh, Oh, he'd won, he won Best Actor already, though. For yeah, with, but he was, like, kind of on the rise. So he didn't have, like, a, a massive cloud about him. But also, he's the perfect person for that role as a crazy person. Like... I... Uh... I guess so. If you go by, like, I want some entertaining ass crazy, like, for sure. If you want the slow decline thing that Stephen King wants, no, obviously No, but that's not. not what Stanley Kubrick wants. Stanley Kubrick wants a guy who's already unhinged from the first moment we see him. Sure, yeah. And that's what we get Let's in talk. Jack. Okay. And he, he does talk about cannibals in both. But, okay, the real trigger for this whole question was watching Strange Things Season 4 and not liking it. No, because being, like, Papa is terrible. Why did they think Matthew Modine was like someone i would care about no no, no, and no i was upset oh wait sorry what you like papa what sorry you no like... i don't i don't like matthew modine at all okay, so bringing good. him back okay. is just a terrible decision for me <laughs> you know okay but it makes sense for the story though right because like there was a lot of unresolved stuff between him and eleven that needed to be resolved before did it need to be resolved yeah probably <laughs> story-wise okay okay yeah i generally agree with you that matthew modine is not that great Okay. Okay. <laughs> Until recently, I only had Full Metal Jacket to be like, there is one movie of his that I like. And then I saw Birdie, that Alan Parker film with Nicolas Cage and him. Okay, I've never seen Birdie. So. And he's pretty fantastic in it, and so is Nick. But Okay. Uh, I'm going to make an argument that the Joker, like Joker in uh, his character in Full Metal Jacket, is perfect for the role that he's playing uh, but nobody in the, I, I don't think of these, like there's full metal jacket doesn't have a star because it's not to the other half, second half of the movie that he becomes the main character. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're sort of rooted with him a little bit in the first bit. Like he's observing sure. some but other I don't, people. I'm just saying like, I don't think it's a movie that has a star. It's a movie that has a story first and then a bunch of actors playing different characters. Yeah, I guess it's just the way Arlie Ermey and Vincent D'Onofrio kind of effortlessly walk away with that movie for me. But here's and the thing. And then it's like, oh, no, now they're not here. Now so, we're left with the rest of this movie. I, so. I agreed with you for a long, long time that the first half of that movie was like the only part of it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it again as an adult. And I was deeply enthralled by first again, still, still by the first half, because the first half is kind of fantastic. And I'm. But the second half got me way more the second time I watched it as an adult. Post-war understanding of, like, Vietnam. Understanding a bit of his, like, what he's trying to do. And, like, the 
stuff that Stanley's trying to do, I thought was really effective in the second half, especially ending off with like the whistling of the Mickey Mouse Club song as these yeah. guys just murdered a whole bunch of innocent people. Um, I, I, I think it's a fully all around, a pretty great movie. And I, I think it misappre- misappreciated, but I've always had like these, I understand yeah. why somebody has a different opinion. So I think I just find how strongly it starts. Like I just feel the energy change too much sure. and I don't, I don't find the second half, especially special. Uh, so, but I just yeah. like, this is a silly thing to be like, point your finger at Santa Cooper and say, Hey, Stanley, what's with these actors? And it's Stanley. like, that's three movies out of how many that he's made that has way. Thir- he, he only made 13. Yeah. Movies, three of fair. them. And yeah. Leads that you it's didn't like. almost 20%. Like. I'm yeah. making the argument that Kier Duel is not the lead of 2001 A Space Odyssey because there is no lead. And same with Full Metal Jacket. How no, is there the is lead? no lead. It's just a movie that's happening. It's not like Barry Lyndon has a lead because it's the main character. Like, it is, yeah. Or like I, uh, I, Eyes Wide Shut. I want to like lead. that movie. I feel like that's a smart person movie and I feel like an idiot for not getting it. Which but one? It's like Barry Lyndon. Oh. I don't like, think it's a smart person movie. I think it's just like he wanted to experiment with film still and like lighting this there's time, there's still interesting things that happen there's like gun duels yeah. and there's like these like highwaymen that kind of pull over this carriage he totally stuff. has to find staging. a way to make you interested in watching a movie that he just wants to experiment on lighting with <laughs> or he just never got to make his napoleon movie yeah and this is his like con- consolation prize well, he was still like, developing napoleon at that point though it's like we'll let you make a big lush costume epic but it there's these novels it's something. crazy to me that that whatever reason that studio was like oh barry linden's the safer pick than a napoleon film like people have heard of napoleon i don't know if you know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyways uh that's an absurd question i'm sorry honestly I, I was... matthew modian got my craw and just the alternate and also, question really was like what you should have said it wasn't a stanley kubrick thing it was a matthew modian thing because i i hit it in here i hit it a little i know because it's so but it's frustrating because there's so many great leads in his films right like like spartacus is kurt douglas kurt douglas is that movie but he stepped in partway through so he would have chosen that and yet he still showed up did so but still yet he showed up and starred in the film peter hey i like kurt douglas peter (laughs) sellers is dr strange like he is dr strange and he is that movie and george strange love great time he is never dr strange that's right because yeah uh I mean, uh, yeah, Doctor Strangelove, uh, and then George C. Scott's also there having a grand time. So, yeah, there's a lot of great leads in his movies. Tom is 100 percent a great lead in his final film. Like it is, that movie rests on Tom's shoulders. Like honestly. As, oh, I guess I should have phrased this the way I wrote down. Then, like, who is the most boring leading man that Stanley Kubrick ever cast? And I so would, we would, I would say, make the argument it probably be my opinion would be Malcolm McDowell. Is the most boring? I I don't. F- I find that movie the least engaging film that I, of his that I've seen. Interesting. So okay, I've heard opinions of how it doesn't work or whatever, but I still think he like Alex DeLarge is just too zany, and Malcolm's too zany to he's not too chaotic for me to find engaging. Oh sure, yeah. but okay, like he's definitely being chaotic. Well, but I don't. You said engaging, and so for me, he's not engaging. Like I'm not engaged in this movie. I'm just like completely. I said boring, and I don't think he's boring. <sighs> I find it boring. I do. Okay. So I, I don't like clock. The other lunch. joke was like dull. Yeah. Like it's got dull right in the name. <laughs> so. Dulia. Um, okay. What was the second question? Strange thing four kind of sucks, huh? No, no, no. What was the second question you asked? No, I can't ask both. No, you got to ask both. All right. Famous movies. You just aren't interested in. Oh, this is just... easy. 
There you go. Like that's what an do you easy got? one. We've talked about it at length. I can give you a list if you want. Uh, I have a list. So, anything directed okay. by Peter Weir, I think, to be just kind of boring. Man, that that stings a little because I for some reason I got hung up on Peter Weir. I like that way way back or whatever. Way back, like way way, way back? the long way back. No, it's Something. way way back because there's another movie called the way. That's way the back. that's the <laughs> that's the pool movie. But there's then there's the, another movie called The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Colin Farrell's like hiking across yeah, the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They escape from gulags. It, it's it's Master and Commander and everyone being like, oh, that movie, I'm waiting for that sequel to happen. I'm like, no. No, I'm good. <laughs> I did see that as a kid and found it like, well, like people are getting shot at with cannons and stuff, but why is it so boring? <laughs> I, well, I did feel bad. I, I heard something recently about Peter Weir. Um... That like he got out of acting because he got out of directing because he couldn't handle working with actors and their egos. Oh, okay, I guess like yeah. Russell Crowe like broke him. Oh, so that sucks. Here, I'm gonna yeah. clarify a little bit around this Peter weirdness, okay? Um, because I like a few of his movies. I like I like yeah, a lot. I like Truman Show too much. I like to Witness. Ever. I like Witness in a lot of fun ways, but it's not even close to being one of my favorite Harrison Ford films. It's kind of like sure. a weird like. It's like an easy script to write. Fish out of water comedy exists for about the middle portion, but it's like a pretty serious, grim film. Um, yeah, Truman Show. I don't know if I put it on Peter Weir as much as I put it on Andrew Nichol, even though he didn't oh, direct it. Yeah. But it's like it is Andrew Nichol's stick, and he goes like on to make writing. movies that I like more than I like Peter Weir films. You know what I mean? I never saw that Simone movie. I was sort of curious about it with uh, Nick with uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino, it's like this digital yeah. actress, like she's yes. not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He creates like... a, a new star. Um, yeah. But like, I like uh, Lord of War, and like, yeah, I think he goes on to make some pretty. Like he's involved in Gattaca. He did Gattaca, right? Oh, is that that guy? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Anyways, I I don't know if I can give that to Peter Weir as much as I can give it to him. Yeah, he wrote Gattaca. Um, okay. And, and directed Wait, so it. is he the in-time guy? He is the in-time guy. Okay. So he's imperfect, but I, yeah. I don't know. No, but at least he's kind of zany. Some, in a and Peter Weir just doesn't way. have that same M.O. for me. Like, like Dead Poets Society is not even close to being one of my favorite movies. That's one of those mysterious movies that, like, I remember hating it as a kid. Yeah. Like, I saw it at, like, 14, 15 or something at my angstiest, and it's about angsty teens, but I was just like, this is bullshit. I hate this. Oh, I, and then, I didn't like it for its over-sentimentality of, like, this, like yeah. this type of stuff. Yeah. I, I found it awful, but then it's like, oh, no, it's, like, really inspirational. And people no, no, it's, it. it's for, like, this is okay. my Goodwill Hunting. Like, to you, Goodwill Hunting, this is, to me... I don't. Yeah, I'd put it near near it, really, and like, uh, it just did not connect uh, the way it was supposed to. The Mosquito Coast is. I hate that movie so much. Oh, okay. Um, I remember kind of liking it. it. It's got like a thimble of Herzoginess in it to me. But... Okay, I maybe yeah. I I've watched it before. I really appreciated Herzog, but nah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I, Peter Weir is a guy that I just never clicked with uh and but yet people around me talk about him in such high regard and like oh yeah i'm like truman shows his best movie but like i don't even know if that's all him so okay i'm gonna start with like the seed that spawned this question and it's like a super deepy like indie cut in a weird way but 
I still feel it has this weird reputation. I was reading Pauline Kale reviews. This has come up briefly before. So it's kind of this like critic that was around from like the 50s to the early, early 90s. Uh, so I was reading a bunch of stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, the last tango in Paris, like Marlon Brando. <laughs> like, I don't know why that generation of critics thought that was like the craziest thing they'd ever seen. But I can't bring myself to watch it because it just sounds like the most uncomfortable movie ever well i mean you know? at that point i think when it came out nobody really knew the depth of like terribleness that was happening on set to that film no yeah but since so, like, it's, it's like become a hindsight so, thing it's so like deeply irresponsible for people to appreciate it nowadays i think yeah but Given it was it. like such a oh man erotic filmmaking and like this intense sexual thing to, can I just say okay something? but she wasn't really part of it no yeah they, way, they were completely right? taking advantage of this nearly underage girl yeah, um, yeah. So you're talking about Bernardo Bertolucci. I'm talking about Bernardo Bertolucci, and then in a more grand sense, I guess, like never quite understanding what everyone was freaking out about with Marlon. Oh, sure. Like, I maybe because by the time I was seeing like his later films, he's like in his own head and a huge ego, and is just showing up in the jungle, fifty pounds overweight. Yeah, with no lines memorized. I know, but then there's something about like his like colonel kurtz stuff like there's something like i know he still says the horror like really good i know but, but like i know I he's know. like a just the worst human being in the entire world but then there's something like when i watch like i'm mesmerized by him in like apollo like apocalypse now like i just okay i find it works for me so like the journey up the river to get to him is worth the movie yes i guess yeah but, but like i agree with you generally like i watched um what was his big one? Doctor Moreau. No, <laughs> no, where uh, he's like yells Roxanne in the street. Oh, no. sorry. Uh, Streetcar Street named Desire. Street My dad made me watch it as a kid. It's Stella, I believe. Stella is what but, he says. Um, yeah. He gets, yeah, Sting says Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. Uh, Streetcar named Desire. My dad made me watch it as a kid, and he told me like this is a great movie, and I watched it, and I was like, no, no, it's not. And then I watched On the Waterfront, another great of his, and I was like, this is not good either. It's fine. That one's at least, like, stacked with talent from that era or something. But he's, like, so, the fourth. He's, like, the main guy. He's the one people talk like about. He's, like, the main guy. It's just this kind of, like, this weird, like, oh, film acting was changing. And if you watch Marlon in that movie, like, the way he's kind of fumbling and drops his glove and stuff, it's, like, method. It's method acting. Isn't that awesome? It's, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I guess this is crazy. Like... There's that kind of historical context thing or something like maybe he truly was doing something that prior to that point people weren't doing. Yeah. But like since then people have iterated on well, it. Well, and I've and seen I like Robert De Niro and he's doing that yeah. and I think he's better. Yes. <laughs> you know. Like, well, that's what I mean like since then we we might have like we might be appreciating the fruits of what he's done, but it's hard to go back and see the first guy do it and say that's great. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm not I'm kind I'm of missing I'm not even one. sure about that because when I go back I my dad would show me James Stewart or Gregory Peck or Robert Mitchum movies, and I'd be like, "Oh, these guys are great actors." Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like I I I definitely as like way too young for him found something to like about Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I think he's a fun screen presence. But even like like Jimmy Stewart kind of has like that. He's a like he should be a bit like a what's the like Richard Jenkins character like the, like a character actor. He should be a character actor that somehow skyrocketed into mainstream. Which is great because sure. he has a shtick, but like he has like a lovable quality. Like though. Henry Fonda and Gregory Peck are both like just actors, actors, 
that can sink into a role. And I think they're both fantastic in things mm-hmm. that exist from the before or the same era as Marlon Brando. And I'm still saying, Mar- I think Marlon Brando's fine. Yeah. It sort of seems like Marlon Brando is the Daniel Day Lewis of his era. And I don't really get Daniel Day. I don't get either. other than like, Oh yeah, he's, <laughs> he's good as the butcher, but it's like great. It's like, no, Daniel Plainview is like crazy and everything, but I don't know. And like, he's like, oh yeah, like he a played a good movie. Lincoln, but like this is what we all consider the greatest for generation? Like, what? what? You, guys, I don't you know. guys are joking, right? Like, Nicolas Cage is right beside him, and that's that's the guy. Like, yeah, he's right beside him, just out acting <laughs> him. <laughs> they should team up. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, that's fair. Marlon Brando is. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a good one. I, I, I'm also. I'm, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I, I don't get Marlon Brando. There's probably. Gonna I think be there's just there. stuff like you know. I know the wild one's supposed to be crazy and all that, but it's just like. I, I mean, don't I guess know. I, I don't grew think up with him hit. being like he's Jor El, like he, he's yeah. white-haired Superman's dad. In the crystals. Yes, he is in that like really long intro to that movie before you know superman's in it yeah. and it gets interesting that movie's so it I, feels I love so superman long the movie i love superman the movie All i love it All it's like it. whenever i'd rewatch it though it's just like oh yeah there's like so much fat like there's yeah, just so much stuff it's all essential viewing smallville is essential gelatin. the earth oh. like all of it is essential they're building an epic like i appreciate that they're like they're they're building what myths are made of it's not like an origin movie we get today where it's like we it gotta just get feels the like done in the minutes. seeds for two are so clearly there you know yeah like well, because they the... were they were filming it simultaneously and then they're like we need to finish one then we'll go back to finish filming two and then Donner oh and donna you're fired yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had like 80 percent of that movie finished okay okay so um that's why there's a whole donner cut that exists with yeah. like different sequences like you know the scene in superman 2 where they're in that really weird honeymoon suite yeah niagara falls yeah there's a different version of that scene with a lot less slapstick comedy and a lot less goofiness oh he doesn't fall near the fireplace like it's not that that whole room is different (laughs) okay because that is like the new guy coming up the the three musketeers four musketeers guy french like joke oh yeah those movies that he he created coming in and making a garbage film type of thing oh no i still think all the stuff you like all the stuff you like he did not direct okay because gene hackman didn't show up for reshoots so any of the scenes where gene hackman's way off in the distance or there's a weird overdub of somebody a voice actor who sounds like gene hackman that happened in Superman too. You grew up with gene hackman look-alike sound-alike actor overdubbing him on like a trying to like fill up his gaps because Gene Hackman's Whoa. barely in that movie because he wouldn't come back because Donner got fired. Oh wow, okay. So and then wow. most of the most of the like um Terrence Stamp stuff was filmed pre him showing up. Okay. So I'm just saying. Zod. Yeah, yeah. alright. Anyways, uh what's another good movie? I mean we've talked I've talked ad nauseum about James Cameron's clout. I think I've still seen everything he did though. But you Pretty but sure. you said like what what do you mean like oh what do you what's something you you would skip intentionally yeah like there's movies i've just never seen and it's like it would seem like homework to watch them. oh i and thought you were saying I can like give what's you some a movie of those? you think has too much clout to it oh there's those but like there's ones that are just like i don't think this can live up to what it like so i'm just not gonna bother gotcha. i have a couple on here that like are top 250 i got green book amelie <laughs> and 1917 uh, i just haven't seen them 
and I don't know that I care. 19, oh, 1917 is, is genuinely one of my, like, that was, I love 1917, so. Okay. Uh, it's just. I'm sure Amelie is charming and everything. Yeah. I've just never seen it, and it looks, like, cloying somehow. Like, it's, like, sure. it's upbeat in a weird way. I don't know that I could swallow. Yeah. But it's supposed to be gorgeous, and it is the alien resurrection guy. Yep. So. And what was the there first might one? be freaky body horror stuff in it. I don't know. What was the first one you said? Uh, Green Book, the uh, oh, yeah. best picture winning Fairly Brother drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Vigo and Ali. Um, that's fair. Green Book is a skip. That's an easy skip. Uh, okay. And then despite despite liking Bernie quite a bit and like Richard Linklater in a vaguely general way, his before trilogy sounds awful i don't know like it's just ethan hawk is going to be talking for like two hours do you want to hang out i think they're 90 minute movies but okay um yeah i i have heard they keep getting told to me to watch mainly because like again like a lot of richard linkletter is either he makes either a fun movie or a movie that like film people appreciate because it's like sure he plays the the same actors together we're writing these characters and it's a nice adult drama where we talk about relationships and and we we plan this out without anybody knowing that it's going to be a trilogy decades apart type of thing right yeah i don't know or boyhood being like let's film this movie a little bit every year until he's an adult type of thing yeah so like i get like we got the dead dead poet society kid and we're gonna make three movies with him it's like i don't know is that worth it so. Oh, you don't like Ethan Hawke is what you're saying. I don't know that I care about him. Like, or you know what? I might not like him because I was really hyped for Explorers and that movie's bad and he's in it. So probably his fault. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, uh, oh man, I had one that I was like, okay, the club for me, it's so Chocolat. Oh, sure. That felt like the peak of like the Weinsteins tricked everybody and this got nominated, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, why is this oh, Shakespeare on lists? In Love? At this point, I'm like, I just want to rag on it because I'm like, I'm not, I refuse to watch it at this point. I've seen it, but yeah, it, it that is definitely one of like the biggest disparities between like what people wanted to win Best Picture that year and what won, and like just disgust for it. <laughs> like, uh, if that hadn't happened, it's like, eh, it's like kind of an okay comedy or something. Yeah. Like it's about Shakespeare and it's a little body, but why did it win the big movie yeah. trophy? <laughs> So. Uh, and then the last one from the same era type of thing, again, Weinstein-ish, is The Pianist. Uh, at this point, oh, I just never seen like, it? Yeah, I just, I'm just refusing to see it at this point. Now now you can't, yeah. No, but it's I, like, I it, it, it was always like an Adrian Brody, I'm not a fan. I wasn't, I didn't know enough about him to not be a fan at that no, point. No, but I mean, I didn't I like, see it. Who it, is it this? He won the thing? I missed wow. it when it first came out, and then he ruined himself to me afterwards. For me to want to go back and watch a three-hour film directed by a like a child rapist, and yeah, no, it's definitely the Polanski situation that has made it like a lot dicier. I have a copy and I keep it because it's still like this is a real like gritty look at the Holocaust. Like it's very good at that. Mm -hmm. He was a kid when it happened, so there's a lot of firsthand like observations. Uh, but yeah it's problematic now yeah. for sure um in in that vein i don't know that i can like summon up the will to go back to woody allen's catalog oh know? but i was never i was like there was a long time before i knew about woody allen stuff that i was not interested in woody allen stuff and i'm still like 
this is I'm I'm like I'm okay with him not making movies anymore because I just don't care for Woody Allen movies. I think I think this was like where I was getting at with like the homework type assignment type feel to it. Like he was such a big part of like award stuff and everything for like a good decade and a half, two decades there. Yeah. And when it was like, oh no, he's definitely a creepazoid. It's like, oh, this burden of <laughs> watching all this stuff has fallen off of me. I never need I don't to have see. To, I don't never have to watch Annie Hall or Manhattan again. Like I've seen Annie time. Hall, but I I miss Manhattan. Everything you need to know about sex or whatever. I don't need to see any of these yeah. now because it would be weird of me to watch them now. <laughs> it would be like now I'm a Louis C.K. fan. I'm getting way in <laughs> right now. <laughs> like it would feel odd. So yeah, yeah. No, Woody's a guy that like I for a short time he was making a couple movies that I saw like Midnight in Paris and Blue Jasmine. Sure, and I kind of liked Midnight in Paris. Yeah, I kind of liked, and I liked Kate Blanchett in uh, Blue Jasmine quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But then it just all went to the crapper when, like Mia Farrow, like like son showed up and was like, "Like this is way worse than you guys realize." Like type of thing. So, oh, yeah. Um, Ronan, sorry, Ronan. Um, I think it's just that Mia Farrow seems like like writing her as like oh she's just this crazy lady it's like but i like mia farrow though yeah <laughs> like I, I don't like maybe it's irrational i don't know her but she was rosemary and i know her yeah and she was in a tough spot so my sympathies lie with and one of my favorite movies of his starred her it was like purple rose of cairo hmm. is one of my favorites with like jeff daniels coming out of a movie and all this yeah. like it was kind of this supernatural aspect to it it was fun Good. but now it's tainted. Now it's tainted. But like, <laughs> so. but I, like you said, like it's just like there's a burden lifted off. Like, oh, no one's gonna judge me now for not seeing Woody Allen films because sure, of course, yeah, right. It's like, oh, why would I be seeking that out? So, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the movies. Like, I don't want to do a low blow, but I'm gonna say Isle of Dogs because I don't care. Oh sure. Um, I mean, I can do that with the Lego Movie. Yeah, <laughs> which is my first movie um, on this list. and like. But even, like, uh, I never saw... It's a weird reason, though. Like, that movie is such a strange, like... No, I love Legos, too. I just don't want it commodified and sold to me in this weird way. Like, yeah. I felt weird about it. I know. But then when the movie comes out and then it makes fun of that very purpose, it's, like... So I feel alleviated But that's by worse that. somehow. I know, but, like, like... No, they anticipated your, your worries. I know. I, I guess I just... In my brain, I just separated, like, well, we go see Star Wars movies after the first Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And it's also just propagating toys. Like any Dis, like Pixar makes a sequel to a movie, and it's like, oh, it's because they want to sell more toys. Oh yeah, no, the Cars movies are equally gross. No, Toy Story <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like Toy Story Two is a oh Toy Story. See now, <laughs> see, now you're see that's well, my point though. Three and on. I'm not saying like again. I'm not saying I like the Toy Story movies. I'm saying like that reason for, still exists for the Toy Story movies to me though. So I just don't care about that kind of except i i never felt like i could walk into a store and get like a dope buzz light year you oh, know when i was a that, kid when i was a kid that first movie came out there was a like an actual like the buzz light you saw in the movie existed yeah. my cousin had it and i was jealous okay because i was in like a toys r us many years later like probably after three or something i was like oh sick but i was like that's because oh, buzz, what he doesn't have any of the buttons or Nathan, the karate Nathan, chop action buzz Lightyear was supposed to be the star of the first movie but that was back when when they were when they made toy story one it was mm-hmm. pre-Forrest Gump and pre-Philadelphia. Tom Hanks was the not the famous person of the two. Tim Holland so wait, was you're saying there's like person? a pull string 
like it was like we are putting woody as the main character in the toy story franchise after the toy story one movie because tom hanks is now the bigger star in the cast buzz was the big star I think it's because when it was recorded, you're saying, right? Yes, when they, well, when they were like, recording it and making Between it. recording and it coming out, it's like back-to-back Best Actor Oscars. But they started... You know? No, 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 I know. But, like, they started animating in, like, 1990. Sure, yeah. And so you can't... Like, in 94, you can't all of a sudden be like, oh, we got to change the entire plan because now we have a different person. Right. But they Where were like, recording, hey, like, we got 90... the star of Home Improvement is... Yeah, it was, <laughs> like, be... it was. It was, like, the star of Home Improvement or the star of Turner and Hooch. Like, it was, like, oh, Home Improvement's a giant show. So, like, he's <laughs> yeah. the big... He's the main character. But that's why Buzz... It's because why Woody becomes the center focus of the first, second movie, third movie, and fourth film is because of Tom Hanks became huge. Yeah. And it was way easier to get Woody toys after that than it was to get Buzz toys. But he's got the, yeah, I think it was just like the helmet didn't slide open, all sorts of little things. Anyways, my, mine did though. My cousins did. Um, but my, I, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that that argument. I, I'm not saying you're wrong in thinking that about the Lego movie. I'm saying that's where it exists in my brain. Is that there's yeah. already commercialization of everything. I go like I'm reading Marvel comic books where they're creating new characters because Disney's like create new characters so we can put them in movies. Like I'm like that's a hundred percent part of the marketing the pipeline strategy. but that doesn't yeah. mean good stories can't be told at the same time anyways you killed two of my questions in one episode but that's okay that's okay i have to think of less grouchy ones no i'm okay uh, with this one the second one is actually i liked more than the first one just because like it's hard for me to take stanley kubrick we just didn't get very many films in the end there yeah but yeah but i mean like like i think if you just worded it like meth modine huh and I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. I'm with Except you. Birdie, which is apparently good. And so that's so that what we learned from And maybe Love Story is great. Maybe the children of the 70s were actually correct. I, think but they were, I doubt though. it. I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah. So. Uh, but hey, there you go. Uh, let's reveal the next batch of movies. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm, this is when I reveal it? I think so, because I feel this is your brainchild, but we're, we collaborated on we need something for Halloween, because it's coming I think up. we want something for Halloween. Like, in the past years we've been on the show, we haven't been really great about planning out how batches Like, we've up. been watching a bunch of horror movies, but it's like April or something. Yeah. Like, we just don't time it out in a thoughtful way. And this so one actually trying... worked out. We planned. Reason why we actually, one of the big reasons why we had 10 movies was because it was like, oh, it works out well for halloween part of it right we can paste this so that this next batch will be during that season so well in the vein of who we are as a podcast i was like well what are some of the greatest horror movies of all time and coming to mind would be friday 13th nightmare on elm street texas chainsaw massacre but then i was like oh but that's like not what we do so it was like all right well what do we do it's like well in the early 2000s there was a whole slew of slasher film remakes. Yeah. And so we're covering those movies. We're going to be watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. We're going to be watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. We're going to be watching Friday 13, 2009. Like we're going to be Black watching, Christmas. We're going to be watching these movies. Yeah. Just not the ones you probably want us to watch. But also think of it this way. We'll watch them so you don't have to. Some of these are dicey for sure, uh, but I've seen a fair number of them, more than 50%. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's a lot of supernatural in this batch. 
Right. Uh, but sort of like our franchise pictures batch, we're sort of focusing on a couple companies here. Right? Yeah. So uh, the big one being like Platinum, Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes headed up a yeah. bunch of these movies. Like they took on like Texas Chainsaw. Um, oh my goodness. Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday 13th were their big three that they did. That they were okay. involved with. Um, and then like Joel Silver at Warner Brothers did like 13 Ghosts. And oh, sorry, Hitcher was also a Platinum Dunes movie. And then like the I th- thought it might have been, but I didn't want to. And House of Wax and stuff that. like that. So, but there's also just like this slew. Like there was this popular trend to take old, better slasher films and let's remake them in like crappier ways. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna watch those. This is yeah. Was was this wave like kicked off by Scream or what would have been the? Yeah, money that's a great maker? question. I think it was kicked off by House on Haunted Hill. Like it was kicked off by that like Dark Castle, Joel Silver company doing sure. these things. Having it's these like, properties. hey, we have these old dusty properties. Yeah. let's and then, spiff them up. And they all did like moderately okay. Like that's where you got like House on Haunted Hill and like Thirteen Ghosts and Ghost Ship. They're all like remakes. And then I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a legit, like, box office hit. Okay. And then that's what set off Platinum Dunes to make a whole bunch. And then it was just like, hey, what else can we do type of thing? And it was like, instead of coming up with a new killer, it was just like, let's redo a different one, new one for a different generation type of thing. There's a whole group of kids that never saw those. Well, I mean, like, honestly, the Vincent Price House of Wax movie is very different than the one you got in 2005. Sure, and so. I really only heard one thing about that movie, so yeah. <laughs> it's the only. Thing. It was literally the only thing that they were selling you on the, right before the movie came out. Yeah, <laughs> Paris Hilton's gonna get killed. Yeah. It's like, all right, I don't, I don't really hate her. She's just a reality star yeah. that I don't really pay attention to. But but okay, yeah. So then there's just a whole slew, and then eventually the trend started, and then it just kept going, type of thing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's what. What are we calling it? Oh, man, that's a great question. I'll come up with the slasher title. Slasher remakes? 2000 Slashers remakes. Okay. Because it's, it's, there's other Slasher remakes from before, but it's like, it's got to be that. It's all the in the the knots. The early 2000s. All of them are? Yeah, I okay. think so. You're right. I think we had a 99 movie on there earlier, but we nixed it. And I so. nixed it because of the two, it wasn't early 2000s. That's right. That's right. So, so we're jumping ahead into the 21st century, just barely, uh, with our next batch. Uh, just in time for Halloween. So there you go. Uh, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you want to ask us some horror Halloween questions to help us kick off the batch, email Ryan at okvideo.ca or Nathan at okvideo.ca or tweet or Instagram us, okvideopodcast. Our first movie of the next batch is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. <laughs> Directed by Marcus Nispel and written by Scott Kozer, the horror reboot man. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. And you know what they say, let sleeping lions lie.